Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And then you pray for, if not a completion, at least maybe you get a defensive pass interference call. There is nobody anywhere close to as tall as Rob Gronkowski. I would jam him at the line of scrimmage. I would not let him run freely off this ball. Brady under pressure. Escapes the sack. Launching one for the end zone. It's a jump ball and it's incomplete. And Gronk was there. And time runs out. in the history of this country. Thank you, Ainsley. I'm going to tweet that right now. Boom, tweet it, MAGA, you know. A lot of folks are saying, including Paul Ryan, that it was better than Martin Luther King's I Dream of Genie speech. Isn't it amazing what's happening? Senator Orrin Hatch said, I'm the single greatest president ever, and this is Orrin Hatch, people, the hottest guy in Congress, saying I'm better than Lincoln or Washington or anyone else in the country's history. Or even the world. I've heard better than Caesar. I mean, I make buildings, that guy just made salads, no contest. (laughs) But guys, this memo might be the greatest memo since the Declaration of Independence. I don't know. I haven't read either one of them. 1775. American colonists in New England are in open revolt against their British overlords. In Philadelphia, representatives of each colony meet to address the crisis. Order! 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 We must declare ourselves an independent nation and fight the British Army. We cannot win, sir. Glorious news from Boston. It seems the New Englanders have won an astounding victory over the British at a place called Bunker Hill. Hi. I don't understand. Is this not welcome news? No, it is. It's just that now we have to hear the boasting from the patriots of New England. that New England wins battles, but must they be so obnoxious about it? Dreadfully annoying. Frankly, I'm willing to lose this whole war if it means not seeing them win again. 
New Englanders, are you drinking beer? This is not a public house. I'm not kidding. This is coffee from Duncan, the best. Hey, Duncan, thanks. Yeah, it's good, right? I feel like I should like you should go like a sweet bread, like very sweet. Well, I for one applaud you, New England Patriots, on your many victories. What's up? Many, many victories. Try five, boss. Five. Yeah, we won them all. French and Indian War. Won it. King Philip's War. Killed it. Lexington conquered. Crushed it. And now Bunker Hill, the oh, best one yet, kid. And welcome back to Flower Politics Podcast. It's the 11th of February, year of our Lord, 2018. And that, of course, was the Super Bowl there. You're going to hear the last play of the Super Bowl. Philly fans losing it, stealing shit, eating horse poop, an SL skit, and whoopee can't say Trump. On football news today, we're going to cover briefly the killing of of the Colt linebacker by an illegal immigrant that the media ignored. We're going to cover the Super Bowl ads. That's kind of what I want to cover. It's going to be a brief segment. And then we're going to go into the latest faux outrage, a little bit of the Olympics uh, and the regular memo stuff that we've been covering. So it's going to be kind of a catch-up from this week. Um, so let's just get on into it with the Colts. The first time I saw this, uh, it was from Michelle Malkin. Uh, I'm a fan of Twitchy, so I follow it, and it came in my Twitter feed. Early this morning, Indiana Colts player Edwin Jackson was struck and killed by a suspected drunk driver who was unlicensed and ran from the scene. Inmate booking records show the driver, Alex Cabrera Gonzalez, is from Mexico with an ICE detainer on him. Yeah. So this isn't the first time. In an article I found... Um, Indiana State Police Detective determined the driver, 37-year-old Manuel Orega Savala, a citizen of Guatemala, has gave, he gave police the alias Alex Cabreras Gonzalez. Orego Savala is in the United States illegal and has previously deported on two occasions in 07 and 09. It's the same thing. Unlicensed, uninsured. Nobody cared. Media didn't even talk about it half the time. In the same time period, illegal immigrant deported 44 times in 15 years. Police, man tells undocumented immigrant to stop peeing at a bus stop, he gets stabbed. You didn't hear any of that, because it's all local news. Nobody cares. Another article goes deep into it, same thing. This guy has been deported, he doesn't give a fuck. There's been a growing trend in the media of ice shaming over deportation, the superficially report on the illegal aliens or criminal illegal aliens being deported under cruel circumstances, yet they never report on the victims of amnesty and sanctuary city policies and the murder and mayhem committed by criminal aliens. While the circumstances of this guy's ice detainer and whether he was released by Sanctuary City in Indiana are still unclear. There has been an epidemic of DUI manslaughter in this country as a result of Sanctuary City's releasing criminal aliens. In 2015 alone, the Obama administration released almost 20,000 criminals who had collectively racked up 12,000 DUIs. All of them unlicensed. All of them uninsured. Later in the article... 
Director Thomas Homan recently confirmed that half of the criminal aliens reoffend within a year and 75% within five years. 240,000 criminal aliens have been processed in Texas state and local prisons since 2011, accounting for 644,000 criminal offenses. Those arrests include 1,314 homicides, 76,766 assault charges, 18,256 burglary charges, 77,381 drug charges, 780 kidnappings, 43,900 thefts, 49,535 obstructing police officers, 4,210 robberies, 6,951 sexual assault charges, and 9,653 weapon charges. While all victims of crime deserve equal sympathy, crimes by criminal aliens are almost completely avoidable because these people should not be here in the first place. That is 644,000 avoidable crimes in just seven years in just one State. Further in the article, asylum claims have jumped 1,700% since 2008. There is now a backlog of hundreds of thousands of individuals who come here from all over the world, including the Middle East, and merely assert a credible fear of persecution are released indefinitely, indefinitely into communities because liberal anti-migration law Groups tell them to do it. In fiscal year 2016, 628,000 individuals overstayed their visas in the United States. There are 950,000 illegal aliens and criminal aliens with final orders of deportation who still remain in the country. It took an entire week for you to finally hear about it, here's a soundbite. First of all, every immigrant in this country isn't a killer and, and a thug and a thief, and he's kind of equated all immigrants, uh, put them in that status. Well, you don't want to shut down the government. And then the other part is that, uh, that while, like I said, is not every immigrant is a killer. The, 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 the idea of even saying that it is so offensive on so many levels that, you know, it, it, just, it, it prompts a wow. <laughs> right, I think I... Listen, I don't know what the president's thinking, but I do know that you know he keeps tweeting about. We were just telling the story about this Indiana, uh, Indianapolis Colt player, and maybe in that case, you know. But but certainly, you're right. Uh, people are here for for all kinds of incredibly valid and patriotic reasons. Give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Ah, hell with it. They're too lazy to get off their <clears throat> arses. Come on. Uh, uh, what? Where has the level of political discourse gone in this country? There is so, such a disrespect to those who came here seeking a better life. For that love of heavens, to, to sit there and, explain, and say they're too lazy to get... Maybe they're too afraid of what's happening in this country. Maybe they're scared. I, I have dealt with stories in Montgomery County, Prince George's County, Maryland, where people are afraid that they're going to be... Uh, shipped out at any day, and they've been here for, you know, what, 20, 30, 40 years. You know, David Challion, this has to do with, with, with a football player who was killed by a drunk driver. That driver, apparently an undocumented immigrant. Again, not surprising, the president trying to use this for political capital. 
Not surprising at all. In fact, I, the only surprise here is that it took him a day to comment on it. When we saw reports come out yesterday that the driver was uh, an undocumented immigrant, you could just tell that this was going to, from a, apart from the personal tragedy, of course, of the family, from a, from a political messaging perspective, that this would fit right in his wheelhouse. And uh, as you know, the president is convening a uh, meeting today about immigration, MS-13. Uh, this is something, of course, he's mentioned for quite a while on the campaign trail, uh, as well as in the State of the Union address. And so he's going to continue uh, to hit the message today of being tough on illegal immigration yeah. and pointing, of course, painting a picture of only one kind of illegal immigration when bad actors are mm -hmm. illegal immigrants. Uh, you know, that, that's what that's the image of illegal immigration yeah. he likes to leave in Americans' minds. But listen, David, this is a sickening case. This guy was deported oh God, twice yeah. in 2007 and 2009. He has been previously convicted of driving under the influence. I mean, this is... This is exhibit A of how part of how Donald Trump was able to win because he talked about this. This is infuriating to Americans that people are here. He, as you know, the Kate Steinle case exactly. in San Francisco, which was so also, you know, despicable for so many people. But the, the problem with him talking about it now, I think, is that he's been president for a year and we've seen him deport people who, you know, are doctors. I mean, you know these cases. We've interviewed some of them here. So he said he was going to go after these exact guys, the hardened criminals first, but that's not what's happening with deportations. And that's why it's sort of, you know, cognitive dissonance on some of this. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. The Americans, uh, not only do they not like the idea of, you know, people coming into this country not following the rules and coming in illegally, but as the president constantly says, as any president says, there's no duty more important to a president than keeping Americans safe. That did not happen here, uh, potentially because of uh, this repeat offender this uh, uh, of an illegal immigrant. You're absolutely right to note that. It is a textbook case for that. But you note, Allison, just how uh, complicated this is. It makes me think of the president's comments on health care, right? Who, who knew it could be so complicated to figure out uh, the right solutions to solve these kinds of problems? Right. I mean, this is exactly the type of guy that he featured that should be deported and stay out, get out and stay out before something like this happens. But instead, that's not who's being deported right now. All right. Final fact. There's a lot of bad info about immigration out there. The crimes they commit are grossly exaggerated. Undocumented folks commit less crime than the rest of us. The cost-benefit ratio is backwards with the dreamers. They put way more money into the economy than they take out. And then there's chain migration. A single immigrant can bring in virtually unlimited numbers of distant relatives, the president said. That's wrong. Legal immigrants cannot sponsor distant relatives. Cousins, for example, are out of luck. There's a five million person backlog right now of just near family, spouses, kids, because of the vetting. The question, why lie to paint an ugly portrait? The Republicans don't want a deal. And, and I've thought this all along. We were talking about hostages and everything else like that before. You have an administration that has made it abundantly clear they want to keep certain people out of this country. And once you make it clear that, like, hey, I'm not going to buy this house, I'm not going to work with you one way or another, it's very difficult to come up with anything. Now, now, what's fascinating is there are enough Republicans and Democrats in the House and Senate that they could pass a bill that is veto-proof, but they don't seem to have the backbone to do that because Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan are afraid of offending the president. There's deals out there that could pass. They're not committed to it. Republicans made a very, uh, an argument that helped, that worked. When Chip was on the table, they were able to say that Democrats care more about right. illegal immigrants than they do about sick children. Exactly. That argument worked.
but I want to put a face on where this is now. The Chicago Tribune put out a piece, an Army veteran, a green card holder who has been in the United States since he was eight years old, is facing deportation because of a felony drug conviction. This man served two tours of duty, I believe, in Afghanistan. He's about to go on a hunger strike over it. Stories like this guy's. Will these affect Republicans when they go home? I don't know. And, and, and it, it, they should. I mean, and the fact that we've in the process of deporting any veterans whatsoever who have two tours in Afghanistan, by the way, is a rather serious deployment. I mean, and, 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 and you know, we've seen servicemen lose their sight, lose limbs, lose uh, uh, a whole host of catastrophes, in effect. In, in addition to giving the ultimate sacrifice. But you know, there is a, there's a strange twinge, and I hesitate to use this expression, Stephanie, but it almost feels like a little ethnic cleansing is going on in the United States right now, insofar as people of color are in danger here, and this is something that, that disturbs me greatly. Doesn't really... that blow your mind yeah. that we're even saying that? It, it is, I have been saying this for a long time, it is a white nationalist agenda. Yeah. If you listen to what Richard Spencer, Stephen Miller, Sebastian Gorka, what these guys are saying, when the president says, I don't want people from excrement whole countries, but I want people from Norway, that's the only way you can interpret it. Their goal is to make America inhospitable for people of color and make them leave and prevent other people from coming into the country. Okay. I want to ask you both uh, what it felt like to find out that so many... Uh, people in the room, uh, they're mostly Democrats, did not stand up when you were recognized and when your daughter was recognized uh, last night. Well, I felt it was uh, very disrespectful for the simple fact the Democrats who was there who did not stand up, they were African Americans. So that hurts me a lot to show that they did not have the respect or to honor what just happened to our lives and to America's lives. And it, it's not right, you know, regardless of how they feel about the president, they should show the respect, because I would show them the respect if that was their loved one. Uh, there was a woman on a, uh, another cable channel uh, earlier today, and I, again, I tried to put myself in your shoes, hearing some of the comments that were made after this amazing moment. Uh, where so many of us were literally crying with you. Uh, and her name is Joy Reid, and she said this. He gives a speech tonight in which he makes it sound like the biggest issue in the United States, uh, the biggest threat is MS-13, a gang nobody that doesn't watch Fox News has ever heard of. So Why he makes it sound that? like they're the biggest Why threat. Elizabeth, like MS-13 yes. is any big deal. I have no words. I mean, um, these are gang members that just, you know, decided to be a judge and a jury to take my daughter out like that. It's unacceptable. Um, I don't want it to happen to anybody else's family. But something needs to be done. And I won't stop doing what I'm doing until everything turns out right. I can only hope and pray that whoever's listening <coughs> or any gang members, please stop the violence. It's enough. How much more blood do we have to shed? Yeah, you heard it. You, you heard more of the same. The progressive media, the progressive politicians in our country don't give a fuck. And, and you know, I pull these articles and I skim them. 
And once again, this was an article from an Indiana paper. This wasn't from Breitbart. This wasn't from InfoWars. This wasn't from WhiteNationalist.org. These are facts. And they're only facts because Texas actually tracks them. Whereas the rest of the time, California, Nashville, all these sanctuary city, we want the brown vote shit, which is super racist, if you really think about it, that you believe a whole demographic of race is just going to vote for you because you're doing this, everybody gets to come in. Concept. Folks, a man was killed and he shouldn't have been killed. And as you see in all those stats, because I just lost my train of thought, sorry about that, it was, it's a short train. It's like a caboose with no engine. That's my train of thought. I pull these, but when I read stuff like this, I mean, just, just, just one, 644,000 criminal offenses in one state, Arizona, New Mexico, California, Louisiana, all these states, you can estimate it's about the same thing. Nashville, Tennessee, my own son covered it on the show. Unlicensed, unregistered, un-frickin-insured, un-American individual destroys my son's car. But Mayor Barry goes, good to go, we're not going to help ICE. I don't give a shit if they're fucking smuggling fucking kids. They can get away with anything. And when you read of all the people, I mean, I don't know how many times I have reported on this podcast, been deported 30 times. And on the war on terror to say that we have people that are just 628,000 in 2016 alone that are overstaying their visas. 950,000 criminals on deportation orders that the Obama administration did nothing about. That's scary. But the Obama administration didn't care about laws. And what we're finding now, well, let me just play the sound, but I want to see if you remember this. Can you guarantee to the American people, can you direct the Justice Department to say Hillary Clinton will be treated as the evidence goes she will not be in any way protected. I can guarantee that and and I can guarantee that not because I give uh, Attorney General Lynch a directive that is institutionally how we have always operated. I do not talk to the Attorney General about pending investigations. I do not talk to FBI directors about uh, pending investigations. The, uh, we have a strict line uh, and always have maintained it, previous so, presidents. Ju- just to button this up. I you, guarantee it. You, I guarantee that there is no political influence in any investigation conducted by the Justice Department or the FBI, not just in this case, but in any case. And she will be Full tre- stop, period. And she will be treated no differently? Guaranteed, full stop, Nobody gets treated differently when it comes to the Justice Department because nobody is above the law. Even if she ends up as the Democratic nominee. How many times do I have to say it, Chris? Guaranteed. You lie! You're a fucking liar! Shut up! Not a smidgen. Not a smidgen. IRS, GSA, Fast and Furious, Hillary's server, 
He doesn't talk to anybody. He knows nothing. Newly revealed text messages between FBI paramours Peter Zork and Lisa Page include an exchange about preparing talking points for then-FBI James Comey to give to President Obama, who wanted to know everything we're doing. The message from Page and Stork was among a thousand reviewed by Fox News. The pair both worked on one point for special counsel. Page wrote on Stork on September 2nd, 2016 about prepping Comey because POTUS wants to know everything we're doing. According to the newly released Senate report, this text raises questions about Obama's personal involvement in the Clinton administration. David W. Dresner, my God, the president want to know about alleged Russian interference. This conspiracy goes straight to the top. Though the implied degree of micromanagement at odds with the narrative of the Obama White House not wanting to interfere during an election. Byron York, no conservative. News about Obama wanting to updates for Comey on the Clinton email, email probe is troubling given that said months earlier, I do not talk to the FBI directors about pending investigation. Do you think anybody covered that? No. All three Nets ignore new FBI texts, Senate reports showing Obama involvement. All you've heard this week is some dude beat some woman 10 years ago, but he wasn't charged with it. He resigned. Another person did something. He resigned. They won't even cover that Warner had meetings with Russians, which is the same reason why the attorney fucking General Sessions had to recluse himself, and he's on the Intel Committee. That's bullshit. Remember, Obama Co. misused the government power over and over to get conservative groups. The media had no problem with it. Obama Co. got away for eight years saying, well, I didn't know about it until I read it in the paper, and all the liberal media knew that was a lie, but they went along with it because they loved that guy. He's black. He talks good. He's our wet dream for inclusivity. He fucking knew what was going on. He fucking knew. We have now, over the last year of this, or 18 months, 21 months, what the fuck, forever, of the Russia investigation, we have found Obama got emails from Hillary and then said he didn't know she had a private server. Yet she was emailing him. And what the fuck, Chuck? And now we find out he knew all about what Comey was doing. So you know, not only did the FBI cover for Hillary, Obama was telling them to do it. Just like in the IRS investigation, if you really researched it, the fucking piece of shit that was over the IRS went to the White House like 150 times. And all of a sudden, it increased during the election. Obama knew about the IRS. Obama knew what the FBI was doing. Obama knew Hillary was breaking the law. Obama is worse than Nixon, my friends. He abused power. 
This week, you've heard a bunch of sound bites on CNN. Well, if Fox News came around, Nixon never would have fucking got impeached. No, he wouldn't have because some truth would have came out. Truth. Because right now, every fact that has come out on this investigation that looks bad for Democrats, you motherfuckers, ignore it. So Obama knew she was doing it, and Obama pressured the FBI to let her off the hook because he wanted the big D behind somebody's name in the White House. He wanted his legacy. And for the record, that makes Nixon look like he just jaywalked. That's some serious shit. Oh, and don't forget that Obama did wiretap Trump. Even though the media mocked that, it sure looks like they did, didn't it? With an illegal FISA warrant based on a bullshit dossier paid for by Democrats. Yeah, okay. Circular report my ass. Okay, let's move on. <clears throat> so those are two big bombshells that happened this week. You probably didn't hear them if you watch CNN or MSDNC or NBC, ABC, CBS, PBS. Yeah, you didn't hear any of that. But that actually happened. Let's hit the Super Bowl. 103.4 million viewers, smallest audience in nine years. They're saying it's because of the teams. You and I know it is the protest. Great tweets I picked up. Um, $17 for a lamb sandwich. Pork shoulder, half pound, 17 bucks. Lamb basket, $22. A salad, 14 A bottle of Aquafina, $6. I'll make sure you saw that. Then some, you know, hot takes. <clears throat> Ugh, we still have scantily clad cheerleaders in the NFL. That seems rather tone deaf. James Kerchick, virtue signaled his Me Too. Cheerleaders are problematic. That was a problem. World War II, uh, Herschel Woody Williams tossed the coin. This dude, at one point, a whisp of smoke alerted him to an air vent of a Japanese bunker, and he approached close enough to put a nozzle of his flamethrower through the hole, killing the occupants. On another occasion, he was charged by enemy riflemen who attempted to stop him with a bayonet, and he killed them with a burst of flame from this weapon. This dude ran around the battlefield with a flamethrower, which wasn't a lot of protection and fucked a lot of people up. The Patriot fans hated him because the Patriots, if they win the Super Bowl or win the coin toss, they lose the Super Bowl, which happened again. And the Philly fans made fun of him. But I just wanted to make sure you understood that is a bona fide 100% bad fucking ass. No players kneeled. Pink kicked it off the national anthem. And that became a thing. Chuck Palumbo, and I'm only covering it because the way Pink responded to it. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Pink sucks, and if you like her singing, you're dumb. Pink responded, yeah, but at least I suck while singing our country's national anthem, and you just suck by yourself on a dirty couch. Couch. Hashtag winning. I couldn't even read it right because I was laughing. I've read it like six times. I'm still laughing. Somebody tweeted, Hello, 911. I just witnessed a scalping on my timeline. <laughs> then, of course, Timberlake was singing, 
And there were a lot of tweets. This kid is savage, tweeting they should have brought back Lady Gaga right in front of Justin Timberlake. And then he gets a selfie. He's on national TV under 100 million people, and he didn't get off his goddamn phone. I don't know if that's positive or bad, but damn, that kid was on his phone. He was not going to stop, and he got a selfie, and he probably recorded it and periscoped it or whatever the hell he did. Um, <clears throat> he got dog for Prince. They said the sound mix was bad. It was a big deal, all right? This this was just like a big deal. Everybody was a judge, like, like you know, they're judging this performance. NBC was on Trump Watch. This is actually, um, was a national correspondent. Let me see. I flipped the page. Let me go back. Uh, Daphna Linzer, managing editor of politics for NBC News and MSNBC. This is her tweet. Looks like Trump missed national anthem. Pink started at 619 and 52 seconds. Finished at 621 and 45 seconds. Trump was still greeting the cheerleaders at 621. She didn't get the seconds on that. But that was really important news. And then Slate broke down the best and worst Super Bowl ads. This guy is just a douche. And he goes over and over and over. So, first quarter was Toyota leads off Super Bowl ad buy with a spot featuring a Paralympic skier. Uh, then Sprint ad in the room of hyperventilating androids. That was neat. Eminem presents a high-concept commercial uh, where Danny DeVito's and Eminem. Wendy's, our food is meh, but at least we're jerks on Twitter. Yeah, takes a direct shot at McDonald's for using frozen beef. Peter Dinklage, which we're going to play in a bit. We, I'm going to play the good ones, and I'll play the bad ones. That one was good. Uh, Missy Elliott did one for uh, Mountain Dew. The Dilly Dilly shit, which is just annoying. Avocados from Mexico, annoying. Diet Coke, it's not just your colleagues in accounting anymore. The Diet Soft Drink brand puts a dictionary definition millennial in front of a yellow brick wall to hold a can of Diet Coke. Twisted Mango. I don't think that shit's going to work. Pringles brings us behind the scenes of a fictitious Bill Hader film. That thing was stupid. Febreze gives us the brief faux documentary about Dave, the only man in the world whose bleep doesn't stink. Squarespace Spot by Keanu Reeves. Then the Ram one, which made the virtue signalers lose their mind. Let's listen to this one. I don't know why they thought they could use MLK. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. By giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know the theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics in physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace. Soul 
Yeah, you, you could figure that one over went over like a turd in a punch bowl. So a priest, rabbi, iman, and a Buddhist get in a pickup truck and drive a football game together. It's a setup for a Toyota commercial, which was pretty stupid. Epsi runs a self-methodology ad. That one was stupid. Mercedes-Benz runs a car ad that's plainly and simply a car ad. Just features a bunch of vehicles, motorcycles. This guy didn't like it. Budweiser gives itself a back pat with a minute-long spot about water, which I thought it was great. Intuit. Kia puts a stounding haggard Steven Tyler behind a wheel. That was a really bad ad. Um, and then, of course, we get to more virtue signaling. We see a bunch of babies writhing in a gray sheet as a narrator coos a message of tolerance and equality. What is this ad for? Some people may... Oh, man, I just flipped pages. Sorry. Uh, it's really early on a Sunday, and I'm friggin' half coherent, so excuse the foo paws or faux paws. What is this ad for? Some people may see your differences and be threatened by them, but you are unstoppable. The narrative continues as the camera pans across more cute babies. Seriously, what is this ad for? You will be heard, not dismissed. You will be connected, not alone, she says, as the shot slowly fades to pink. Oh, oh no, it's a T-Mobile commercial. Hey, if you can't compete on cost or quality, you might as well dump a bunch of babies on a bed and make like you're a UNICEF instead of a lesser cellular service provider. This is what a liberal said. That's why I read it. A liberal said that. But you know what they're hitting for. The liberal, you know, intersectionality. If you're black, gay, and transgender, you win. Let's listen to this tripe. Welcome to the world, little ones. Yeah, it's a lot to take in. But you come with open minds and the instinct that we are equal. Some people may see your differences and be threatened by them. But you are unstoppable. You'll love who you want. You'll demand fair and equal pay. You will not allow where you come from to dictate where you're going. You will be heard, not dismissed. You will be connected, not alone. Change starts now. Yeah, yeah, good job there. The next one was Eli Manning. I'm going to play that in our good one compilation. And... Then there was uh, Groupon, and the key thing on that is this Tiffany Haddish, Cardi B person wasn't going to do shit, but they did it, all right? And then Coke comes in, and uh, in 71, Coca-Cola put a bunch of jolly hippies on a hilltop that had them sing. One of the most iconic commercials in history, the company's Super Bowl spot tonight tried to hit a similar theme, showing us people of all sports sorts enjoying Coke all over the world. Didn't love the ad, which felt like a bunch of incoherent combined stock footage. Coca-Cola should have just re-aired, I like to teach the world, sing, plus, there's a different Coke for all of us and fine motive, but it's really true. It, it isn't really true, is it? Some diet and regional variation notwithstanding, there's only one Coke, it's called Coke. Um, so they didn't like this, but I thought this was some transgender bullshit, personally. There's a Coke for he. And she. And her. And me? And them. There's a different Coke for all of us. 
especially one for him. No feet have wandered where you've walked. No eyes saw what you've seen. No one's lived the life you live. No head has held your dreams. To act the same would be mundane. What a boring thing to do. That's why there is just one me. And a billion unique yous. We all have different looks and loves. Likes and dislikes too. But there's a Coke for we. And us. And there's a Coke for you. Yeah, to me that was some transgender uh, virtue signaling. But you can even see this lib really didn't get it. But that's three so far. Three. Universal Parks Resource Spot really mis- misused Manning's comedic tannin. There's a Peyton Manning one. I really don't want to go into it. Hyundai did an ad about how good the car are. Stella Artois did Matt Damon. And then there were some Jeep ones, which I thought were really good. Um, because I love Jeeps. So, uh, what, what, how did I mix this to make sure I got it right? Um, no, I just mixed the Jeeps together because it was two Jeeps that I really liked. So here are the Jeep ads going to be followed by our good ones, the ones I thought were great. Uh, they had the sheriff from Stranger Things kind of mocking Ty because people are doing it, the dirty dancing one, and the uh, Dorito one with Peter Dinklage, which... And, and Morgan Freeman. I thought those were really good. So let's go Jeeps and then good ones. So enjoy some of the commercials. How many car ads have you seen with grandiose speeches over the years? Big declarations. Making claims to some overarching human truth. Companies call these commercials manifestos. There's your manifesto. Yeah, just a typical Super Bowl car ad. Right? Or a hilarious beer ad. (laughs) Or whatever ad this is. Whatever. But it's a Tide ad. What? It's a Tide ad. Well, make sure to tie it out. There are no stains. Look at those clean clothes. What else would this be an ad for? Diamonds? A gift that lasts for a new time. It's time for a cold refreshment. Tie it out. Fall into the sleep of no. you. No. Tied. No. Tie that. Extreme. No. Tied. Tied. Meet the all new. No, it's a tied ad. Tied. So, does this make every Super Bowl ad a tie ad? I think it does. Watch and see. Hello again, ladies. Is your man the kind of man who would climb the height? <clears throat> I'm in a tie ad. Nice pants. Get off my horse. Tie ad. Sarah? Sarah! It's a tie Sometimes the signs are hard to ignore. 
whenever you see clothes this clean, that's a Tide ad. Clean clothes may be an indication of a Tide ad. Tide users experience ten times more cleaning power. Tide is America's number one detergent in America. The biggest stage for advertisers comes once a year, and this year's Super Bowl commercials came to play. Hey everyone, welcome into the Fumble Studio on Super Bowl Sunday. I'm your host, Jessica Wills. We are bringing you all the top stories of Super Bowl 52. Click that subscribe button so you never miss an update. Super Bowl commercials seem to be hit or miss each year, but this year, I think they brought the hits. Did you guys see the Eli Manning and Odell Beckham dirty dancing commercial? It was everything it sounds like it would be. It starts with Eli asking Odell if he wants to, quote, work on that thing, which of course we all assume is a special play they must be concocting. But once Manning completes his pass to ODB, things get weird. The classic dirty dancing theme song comes on, and just take a look. Twitter lit up with this commercial, and here were some of my favorite tweets. Jackie said, I am a diehard Giants fan, but if I have to see Odell Beckham and Eli Manning dance again during Super Bowl commercials, I'm riding with Cowboys like the rest of my fam. Carson was a little more on board, and he wrote this. Eli not even playing this Super Bowl and still overshadowing Brady. That commercial was gold. Douglas declared a winner of the Super Bowl, saying, The winner of the best Super Bowl commercial goes to the NFL with Eli Manning and Odell Beckham. And Robin knows her dirty dancing, tweeting this. Nobody puts Odell Beckham and Eli Manning in the corner. Nailed the Super Bowl NFL commercial. Here's to a great year to come, Giants. If you haven't seen this commercial yet, definitely go watch it. It had me laughing out loud for real. Tell me in the comments below what your favorite Super Bowl commercial was. Thanks for hanging out with us here at The Fumble. Be sure you like, subscribe, and comment before you go, and we'll see you next time. Doritos Blaze, a bold new flavor that brings the heat. New Mountain Dew Ice, a clear, refreshing lemon lime dew. So those that have been with the show, I did this last year, and I think we had like eight Prague ones. It was all virtue signaling because of Trump or something. So there was a lot of political stuff, but we really only had three this year, which shows that ad, or at least companies realize most of America is not really buying into that shit. I'm not going to buy your product because you hate Trump. It's really not a reason why I buy products. I buy products because they're good or they're bad or I like it. So that was a positive. But of course, because this was Slate and because it's the NFL, a lot of ads... Didn't make it. You could do the T-Mobile one. You could do the Coke transgender one, which, you know, this magazine didn't liken it to that, but a lot of conservatives took it that way. They're the he, she, it, er, ha, fa, and all these other pronouns, right? Um, 
But they didn't cover the ones that are really good. There was one Marine spot that I think is fantastic. The Please Stand one, which was totally ignored. And an NRA one that never would have made, ever would have made the air. As Kamiko Romero said, regardless of your opinions, the fact is that many good Americans have died to protect our country and its freedoms. If you cannot appreciate this or what this video brings across, you don't deserve to call yourself an American. Boom. And I think that's the NRA ad, 100%. Um, it's a very patriotic ad. But it wasn't good enough for the NFL. You know, that you can virtue signal everything else. But not this. So, here are the three that never made the line of day. And then we're going to go into fire for effect. It's not just the ships, the armor, or the aircraft. It's something more. It's the will to fight and determination to win. Found inside each and every Marine that answers a nation's call. Battles won. Please vote. Please volunteer. Please serve. Please exercise your rights. Please stand. I haven't always embraced history, but when I walked through a World War II museum the other day, it changed my life forever. I saw the dead bodies of Americans piled up on Omaha Beach, jackets filled with bullet holes, and the sand stained with blood. 419,400 American soldiers gave their lives to win World War II. That's 419,400 men willing to charge at a hail of gunfire knowing damn well they would die willing to give their lives for as little as an inch of forward progress for the men behind them, the country behind them, and the idea behind them. One life for an inch for freedom. As I walked through that museum, I couldn't help but wonder, what would those men think of us today? I even found myself asking a question that should send shivers of guilt down all of our spines. Did they fight too hard for freedom? Did they sacrifice too much? Did they make life in America so safe and so easy, so completely removed from difficulty and hardship, that we lost our understanding that freedom is guaranteed to no one and can be lost in an instant?
So right out the gate, that was an abortion activist punching out a pro-life teen outside a Planned Parenthood. An angry abortion activist punched pro-life high school student, high school student, she was an adult, outside a PPFA on Saturday, giving her a minor concussion, but strengthening her resolve to fight abortion. Five-year-old Purity Thomas was playing outside the Roanoke Planned Parenthood on Saturday morning when a woman apparently there for an abortion became agitated at the pro-lifers. I was really, it was really cold out and I had actually just texted my parents to come and pick me up. Thomas was holding a 40 days for life sign, told LifeSite News. She said a Liberty University student named Serena called out to this woman. Serena said, good morning. We're here for you. We're praying for you. There's other resources that we have. Just wanted to offer that. The woman approached Serena and began yelling, what are you going to do when I beat you all up? When I fuck you all up? And then she was like, I'm going to have my girlfriends come and beat you all up. The woman then asked Serena what she was going to do if she took her sign. All people are made in the image of God. She grabbed that sign and she tried ripping it, but it's really thick plastic, so she ended up folding it up, Thomas told LifeSite News. It was at this point that the teen, who was a high school fellow of the Students for Life America, suggested to her fellow activists that they start filming. When Thomas told the woman, we're praying for you, the woman came over and began threatening to take Thomas's sign as well, and you heard the rest. Why am I reporting from LifeSite News? Oh, because liberals didn't record this. They didn't report it. They didn't even mention it. Because the New York Times did something this week. Headline, liberal media screamed fuck off over abortion memo in New York Times. On Thursday, the New York Times published an op-ed columnist, David Brooks, on his abortion memo. In his imaginary memo on late-term abortions, a Democratic consultant advised Democratic leaders to end the party's obsession over abortion. How much is our position on late-term abortion hurting us, the consultant began, referencing a recently failed attempt by lawmakers to ban abortion over 20 weeks. How many progressive priorities are we giving up just so we can have our way on this one? <clears throat> he credited pro-life voters for the election of Reagan, Trump, and others, and asked the Democrats to imagine what would happen if Roe v. Wade was overturned. The pro-life movement would turn its attention away from national elections. Single-issue, anti-abortion voters would no longer be automatic Republicans. The abortion debate would no longer be an absolutist position on one side against an absolutist position on the other. But instead of taking the memo as food for thought, media figures and commentators went berserk. I'm so fucking done, Jessica Valentine said. Foreign Policy, New York Times contributor Bethany A. Ellen Abraham, if you got a hyphen name, you're a douchebag. If this doesn't make any sense to you, let me explain. David Brooks has never been pregnant. Hey, David Brooks, how about you fuck right off? Aubrey Hirsch, who also written for the New York Times. How about men do not get to speak on this ever? Fuck you, David Brooks. How dare you, and shame on you, New York Times. This is humiliating for those of us who actually have itery utery to listen. What the fuck? To those playing with house money, speak on something that has nothing to do with them. Share Blue Editor, Kali 
Cal Lee, whatever the fuck. People are just making names up nowadays. Joy Gray warned, fuck you, David Brooks, with a coat hanger. And it goes on and on and on. Pro-life, we're praying for you. Get punched in the face. David Brooks, a total libtard who says he's not, but he is, does just an op-ed talking about, hey, you know, maybe, just maybe, we're all in on a subject that has nothing to do with what the American people want. They wanted that ban by a plurality. They don't want federal funded abortions by a plurality. Democrats want unfettered, unrestricted, if they're a toddler, kill them because I don't want them anymore, abortion. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Before we get into the Olympics, let's do a segue into Me Too. This happened this week. I just wanted to make sure you understand Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd's a fucking hypocrite. Chuck Todd wouldn't know his ass if he had a flashlight on it. Bruce Feldman, New Mexico, is suspending head coach Bob Davies after two investigations into appropriate inappropriate conduct. This is what he said, Chuck Todd. Once again, a school makes a decision with one thing in mind. Protecting the program. There's a thousand tweets. Not all of them could be conservative, my friends. Like the Today Show, Chuck. Exactly like your network did with Matt Lauer and continues to do with Hardball Chris. They have no fucking conscience. They're so stuck on, I am the smartest person in the room. You're a fucking moron. And forget that everybody has Google. So, I just wanted to segue there for two seconds. Because I saw that tweet. And of course, since I can't respond to it because he's blocked me for calling on his his, uh, Islamist sensibilities where he actually roots for Team ISIS, not us. You know, I, I, I just don't understand these people. To the Olympics, I love the opening ceremony. I thought that ending with the freaking whatever... HP or freaking, I don't know who the made, the, the drones. The drones are amazing. Intel. I'm sorry. Intel. That drone show was fucking amazing. I guess it was from Lady Gaga's Super Bowl performance last year, but I didn't watch Super Bowl last year or the performance. So, um, other than what I did on the podcast, I, I didn't watch it. So I don't remember drones, but those little air drones or mini drones, that was some cool ass shit. But of course, during it, because of the PR job by the leader of North Korea, the actual take from it wasn't about, hey, this was a pretty good show, and wasn't it neat that North Korea kind of walked out together with South Korea under unified Korea, just for a second. Everybody who knows anything about a Korea knows nothing's going to come of this. It's a PR stunt. But it was a great moment. I expected, see, when Trump shuts up, good things happen. That's not how the left with, went with it. Philip Bump, Kim Jong-un's sister with deadly side-eye at Pence. Liberal responses, can't blame her. Girl, just push him. We won't be mad. She is the majority of America right now. 
only time in my life where I wish looks really could kill. Julie Bunting. G-A-U-L-I-B-U-N-T-I-N-G. There's a campaign to get her fired from her job and do the liberal thing. She's from Seattle, Washington. Andrew Mullins responds, depressing the number of liberals I know how you feel, replies to this tweet. Maybe they should try moving to North Korea. I hear they've solved the obesity problem. Matthew Stinson, love for Kim Yo-Jong in the comments here is pretty messed up. You do know she's the head of the DPRK Propaganda Department. Karen Dalton Veniato, for guy who gets so mad about someone taking a knee, he sure is comfortable taking a butt. Mike Pence takes a cue from Kaepernick and refuses to stand. That was also a tangent. Somebody sums it up. You can't be this stupid, right? Comparing Pence sitting as a form of protest to North Korea's dictatorial inhumane regime to Kaepernick kneeling for the flag of his own country. You can't actually think that works, right? But they did. They showed nothing but hate. Blue checks did it. They thought it was cute. And then, of course, another form of outrage was from the race hustling industry and Black Lives Matters. It can be surmised with Reverend Jesse Jackson. The choice to represent our country as flag bearer in the Olympics should never be determined by a coin flip. The committee should immediately institute a more appropriate system to make sure such a significant determination. Shawnee Davis. So the black person didn't win the coin flip. Everybody tried to tell him this is the fairest option we could do. Most of conservatives said the following. Apparently, coins are racist now, too. I tweeted them, yes, coins are racist because mostly white people are on it, you race hustler. That was a whole thing. Because it was a tie, they flipped, and the little white girl got to do it. But when you get this article, you understand why. The Olympics are no longer about the sport. The Olympics are no longer about the very best for America going out and representing the country against the world. So the very best athlete in a given sport, not based on race, sexuality, religion, sexual orientation, the best athlete. Clearly, that's not important anymore. The U.S. Olympic Committee says it's taking its most diverse team ever. USOC officials are pleased the team includes more African-Americans, Asian-Americans, and even the first two openly gay men than recent winter squads. But they also realize this year's U.S. Olympic team, not unlike those of most other nations gathering in Papang Chang this week, is still overwhelmingly white. We're not quite where we want to be, said Jason Thompson, Director of Diversity and Inclusion. I think full-on inclusion has always been a priority of Team USA. I think everybody always felt it should represent every American. Team USA's numbers, 243 athletes, which is the largest team any nation has sent to Winter Olympics ever. Of that group, 10 are black, 4%. And another 10 are Asian, the rest by and large are white. 
within this article, it appears they don't want people to be the best. I, I can't believe that's a thing. I can't believe that's a thing. But it is. It's a thing that is more important. The color of your skin, your sexual orientation is more important than being the best in the sport. So as a person said to me the other day who brought the subject up at work, it's now a participation trophy. The Olympics is no longer about the best athletes. It's about a participation trophy. We are going to send people just because of their skin color over there, and they're going to get fucking stomped at whatever thing they're doing, and nobody cares because we'll look good. We will be inclusive. What the fuck? The Greeks are rolling over in their grave. Let's be honest. This week, Sean Hannity won, and the rest of America lost. The pro-Trump media, led by Hannity, has circled the wagons around President Trump. They've distracted people about the truth uh, involving Trump's Russia ties, and they've done everything possible to destroy faith in Robert Mueller's probe. And look, Hannity won. It worked. You've got to give him credit where it's due. Hannity gave a megaphone to the GOP congressman who said they had a smoking gun memo proving a deep state conspiracy against Trump. Hannity hyped it night after night after night in January like a human countdown clock. David, what happened this week? Do, do you think you look at what happened here and agree with me that Hannity won, or am I giving him too much credit? You know, Brian, I don't know about Hannity won sounds strong, but I agree with the premise totally. I am shocked at the traction this Hannity narrative has gotten. And, and here's, what, here's what's shocking to me this week. When I saw... Uh, when you see Ron Johnson, the senator from Wisconsin, out there talking about we have an informant, there are secret, there's a secret meetings being held off-site, that's a loop. It goes from Hannity to somebody like Johnson and the president, and that is gaining real traction in this country. Have Any legitimate issue in your mind in that memo? You know, if there are issues related to the, the, the process involving FISA, and if there are concerns about how forthcoming the Bureau is, and I think the Bureau, from what I've been able to tell, was very forthcoming. This was a renewal of FISA. But if he had concerns about that, he could have hearings. He could bring in the members of the FBI and others and to really seek what is, you know, needs to be done differently. But he didn't do that. He just put out publicly one side and a very selective cherry-picked uh, memo. The memo proves. I reviewed hundreds and hundreds of FISA applications for two attorneys general. I did that job for two years. That the omission of a material fact is a big deal. And that it we don't know there's an omission of that material fact, there is though, Hugh. That, that we actually do not, don't know that it's I, true. I believe it is fairly... Uh, I, I will rely on the fact they did not say DNC, HRC. They said political. And so I'm going Political on opponent. Page. Political opponent. If, you, if I'm reviewing that and I tell the Attorney General, by the way, this came from the DNC and the, uh, and the Hillary Clinton campaign, and that's not the memo. We go back to the FBI. There was no Division of National Security at that time, and we send it back and put it in. If you were a corporate executive in America and you did a quarterly earnings report that showed uh, uh, income from a source and you did not describe that source as sketchy, shady, or some way compromised, you will go to jail. And people ought to think about a FISA warrant 
as a quarterly report and hold it to the same standard. When you think about the investment that Vladimir Putin made in interfering, interfering in our elections, it is paying off every day in spades. He, he won the Super Bowl. He really, Putin has won the Super Bowl here. Exactly what he wanted to happen in this country, this discord, this mistrust of institutions is exactly why they operate. Because, because you're saying that there's an analogy here to something that happens in courts across the country every single day. This memo reads like a defense attorney's brief to try to exclude evidence. Because in just about every high-profile case I cover, uh, the defense argues that the investigators and the prosecutors had tunnel vision. They were out to get the defendant from the beginning. They never looked at any other possible defendants. They included all sorts of unverified information and warrant applications. This is a relatively weak legal argument, really, coming from the Nunez memo, because in the end what they're talking about is motivations. They're not talking about facts they got wrong and or laws that were broken. All that's kind of the man of the moment right now, because for three years under President Bush, you oversaw the FISA application process. Right. So your reaction to the memo? You know, my reaction, uh, just on the four corners of the memo, is it's you know, politically motivated, it's sort of amateurish, uh, it's very short, and it really leads to more questions than it answers. You know, the, the central claim in the memo that bias information wasn't presented to the court, we, we now know that's not true. And, and that's actually consistent with my own experience overseeing the lawyers and the Justice Department. That opening leadoff was a salvo from that frickin' libtard Brian Seltzer from Reliable, Not So Reliable no longer reliable sources on CNN. Conservative media, one network. Every other network liberal. So for those progressives and moonbats out there that are part of the resistance, you know how normal Americans look at that, right? Because remember, this show is from a normal American perspective. Not an Infowars, not a white nationalist, not any of that stuff. The whole media ignores terrible things about the Democrats. And they publish every rumor that all turn out to be untrue on this Russia thing. And that little fucking gimp actually believes they can get on the network and say, oh, Sean Hannity pushed this so America knows. No, the problem is, like last podcast with that little statement that Cuomo said that we literally do these leaks so BS doesn't get to Americans. The only network that may get this out is Fox. You guys ignore it. Because has, has CNN reported this? Throughout the primary and general election, Sorkin Page repeatedly demonstrated hostility to then-candidate Trump. Page called Trump a loathsome human before writing, I cannot believe Donald Trump is likely to be an actual serious candidate for president. Sork called Trump an idiot and Pine Clinton should win $100 million to zero. Sork and Page also use expletives to describe Trump. Page also expressed disdain for American participating in the 2016 March for Life, writing that she truly hates these people. Zork called Virginians, who apparently voted against FBI Director uh, McCabe's wife for a local Senate seat, ignorant hillbillies. And he totally fucking expelled it. These statements raise questions about whether personal political bias may have affected the FBI investigations. Jerry Dunleavy, a real reporter, the more texts we see from these idiots, that's not what he said, but that's what I'm saying. He said their name again, and I just get so sick of saying Zork and Page. The more we see how they loathe the fellow Americans with whom they disagree. Trump's an idiot. Clinton should win. People who voted against McCabe's wife or hillbillies, the March for Life, hate those people. And he tweets that whole thing. 
And it was from the memo that nobody wanted to get out. So later on, somebody says, Zork called Loudon voters ignorant hillbillies. Facts about Loudon. Number one in U.S. for household income, 134464 Led U.S. in investment for counties of its size with $3.3 billion in investments in 2017. 500-plus uh, women own farms. Other people tweeted, Zork hates Trump's his voters, Walmart shoppers, hillbillies, and texts like tween to his lover. Gee, what a whiny prick. And then somebody asked the question that I want to know. How does Zork still have a job in the U.S. government? This comment referencing ignorant hillbillies in Loudoun County, Virginia, refers to the campaign of Jill McCabe's wife of FBI agent Kevin McCabe. Now you see why they got rid of McCabe. Another text that got on Fox. Nowhere else. Disappointing, but look at the district map. Loudon is being gentrified, but it's still largely ignorant hillbillies. Good to, for her for running, but c- curious if she's energized or never again. American mom. I'm getting a little sick of hillbillies talk. Those ignorant hillbillies have more integrity in the little finger than Sork has in his whole body. And they aren't ignorant. They know how to survive in any circumstances. I'm a proud redneck hillbilly American. Not to mention that the ignorant one appears to be Zork, who can't spell hillbillies. My question is, for 20 years as a United States Army soldier, if I would have got caught doing this, I would have got fucking an Article 15. You understand that, right? Only right check from IAVA actually got away from politicking in uniform because he was a National Guard fuckhead. But you're a federal worker. You're not, they have whole sorts of rules. You can't, you can't politic on the job. I work for a city right now. I cannot politic on a job. I can't politic on a job. This is an FBI agent. McCabe was married to a Democrat candidate. And those people who are supposed to be protecting Americans, that's what they think of them? They sound like fucking zealots. So how do they have jobs? Then we find out, not reported on CNN, ABC, NBC, or CBS, the FBI failure to notice that some of Clinton's emails had the C classification marker on them meant that she was able to repeatedly and falsely say she never sent info marked classified without correction. IG later caught the FBI's error. So when they said they reviewed it the first time and couldn't find any any culpability and they formulated with Zork's help, that little statement, that's because they really didn't look. The inspector general went back over it and they found the classified documents. Luke Rosek, the FBI belated discovery forced PolitiFact to change its rating of Hillary Clinton's claim from half true to now we know it's just plain wrong. If it weren't for the IG, the FBI likely would have closed the probe without finding them. It seems like the FBI missed everything in order to exonerate their queen, Hillary. That whole investigation was a sham, just like conservative said. But you didn't hear this, because NBC was doing this. Lead paragraph, a new NBC News story. 
The U.S. official in charge of protecting American elections from hacking says the Russians successfully penetrated the voter registration rolls of several U.S. states prior to 2016 presidential election. This was just this week that they did this. Then Sam Levine, NASSS.org, Associates of Secretary of States respond to NBC News story and say multiple states had their voter rolls penetrated in 2016. They said they only know of one state. NBC never retracted it. So once again, we have Zork. We have the FBI itself not actually doing its job on the investigation, but they're running up some more false Russian stuff. Then you got CNN. As many as 60 Russians are expected to attend the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington. More than three times last year's number per Russian officials. Somebody on this thread, a non-conservative person, this is not a blue check or a red check or whatever the fuck we want to call it, an actual pundit, about 3,800 people are expected the National Prayer Breakfast. 60 out of 3,800 is fake News. Somebody said, I bet NBC wants them locked up because he's going to be in the same room with them. That's what they were reporting this week because they don't want to report about these texts. They don't want to report about Warner's complicity that was way worse than Sessions. Yeah. Other people mocking this. Russia hacked our election, installed Donald J. Trump, yet no imposed sanction. Three Russian spy chiefs here last week for meeting with Pompeo and even bigger breakfast meeting with oligarchs of previous years. We are a satellite of Moscow. Don't count on 28 midterms to save us. Is this Trump's debut with Russian handlers? We found an event where it's safe to see in public with true the people he truly loves. Oh, they're energizing a revolt is what they're energizing. These people really believe all the lies. They don't hear the retractions because the news network doesn't do it. So who's worse? Fox News that puts out a little bit of stuff that every once in a while could be like, eh, that's pretty sketchy. Are you for 18, 21 months solid bullshit stories, bullshit stories, bullshit stories? A tweet, Tony T. Tagliarno. This is the story today. Not what dumb things he says. Not how well he reads. This is the story. Second tweet. Networks must be at that prayer breakfast to save democracy. I'm paraphrasing. And simultaneously, CNN once again with another article trying to, trying to somehow Convince their our audience that Fox is RT. And my question is, why would you waste their time on this? If somebody's watching CNN, they're not watching Fox because they're there to hear the latest lies that you're going to put out about Russia, Russia, Russia. Fascinating to just watch the president mimic back what he's watching on television that morning. He used exactly the same language. He called it a bombshell, uh, which is the language that was being used in that segment on Fox. And that's what's happening day in and day out uh, with President Trump. He's not going to the source of this information. He's getting it uh, sort of chewed through this spin machine. 
and then he's repeating it on social media to his 45 million followers. Right. It's forgive me, but it, it, he watches in the morning. This is the president of the United States who has access to every bit of information in the world that U.S. intelligence agencies can gather, and that's where he chooses to get his information. Good luck. Uh, so well, I, but I, I think it is midwifed by uh, folks in the conservative media who are who want to believe uh, the absolute worst when when there's been no demonstration. And you know, it's not crazy to think that the Obama administration might be uh, might have been doing bad things, uh, you know, involving uh, uh, the Department of Justice. There has been was quite a bit of evidence in the Obama administration of that happening. And as you say, the FBI agents acting, uh, making some really really poor judgments here, and should be investigated. But I think, I think that the jumping to conclusions is uh, ultimately uh, muddying a what might otherwise be a legitimate case. Look, we make fun of this sometimes, but this parallel universe thing is just not healthy. I mean, yeah, that and was and this I, morning, by right, the way. Right, that was this morning right. after it had been debunked. Right. Now, remember, Obama fed the media their talking points. Now you're saying Trump gets his talking points for Fox? You didn't have a problem before. I don't know. Charles Cook. Charles C.W. Cook kind of sums it up. One doesn't have to like Trump or admire his behavior or think this memo is a big deal in order to find this attitude alarming. The FBI is subordinating, subordinate to an executive agency created by Congress, but it doesn't appear that way when you read it. It doesn't. It just seems like the FBI is doing whatever they want. Comey and them came up with what they wanted. And even this week, after all that's been going on, Katie Turr, another reminder, Steele dossier was first paid for by conservative outlet Washington Free Beacon to find damaged info about Trump during the primary in order to help other GOP candidates. Remember, the GOP did not want Trump to win the nomination. Later in the day, fixed Fusion GPS was hired by Washington Free Beacon during the primaries when GOP wanted to help other GOP candidates. Steele was hired by the DNC. Mostly false. The entire world was showing that she was a lie. But she's not the other one. Jim Scuto. Free Beacon was the first to hire Fusion GPS to do opposition research and then candidate Trump. Thanks for watching CNN. Amber Athey, CNN's Jim Scudo, just said on air that the Republicans first paid for Steele dossier. They did not. Jim Scudo, please issue an on-air correction for blatantly false reporting. Evan McMullen, who has his own following. The inclusion of the dossier in the FISA application may represent an unprecedented collision of opposition research and national security. But remember, the cause of that was a presidential candidate likely collaborating with the very foreign adversary attacking our democracy. Likely now. Do you see what's happening? Real news got out. We know now that we had two FBI agents. The, the president was part of it. We know this was a major conspiracy with the FISA to find something to stop Trump from winning the election. Find something. They're just rolling out the same talking points. They're not changing. They're lying about how the dossier came. We've been, they have been lying about the dossier since the first time the dossier broke. And they don't care. I mean, how many times does Katie Turner have to correct this? How many times does CNN have to correct it? It doesn't matter. They're trying to obfuscate 
information getting to people that may be on the fence right now. Because maybe they think if they get a majority of people to, you know, think this is a big deal, they can impeach Trump. Because everybody knows, even at the end with an impeachment, it all comes down to numbers. What is the approval rating? What does the American people think about it? These elected officials may, you know, maybe not in this case. Maybe I'm wrong on that. In this case, the Democrats will be like, fuck it, we'll go down in flames because we hate Trump. But, you know, it has a lot to do with that. So they're trying to stir American opinion. I don't know. But when you roll out something that's false or told it's false, and you roll it out again, and you roll it out again, and you roll it out for 21 fucking months, do they really believe the American people don't have Google? That's my question. Because we've heard you do this. We've heard you correct it. You're still rolling it. This week, the next lie was that Trump wrote the memo. Aaron Rupar, Nunes, flatly denies coordinating with the White House President Trump lawyer on releasing the memo. Then Schiff went out again, suggests the release of the FISA abuse memo may lead to bombing just like Oklahoma City. That was the first one. He was scaremongering. Then it was Russians promoted Second Amendment so Americans would kill each other. That was another thing he said. To show you the resistance side, George Tataki, I hear Devin Nunes released a memo his staff wrote about the FBI, so in response I'm going to release a fart in my bedroom. They both made of hot air, stink to high heaven, and thankfully would be forgotten in moments. Laura Ingram, oh my God, Chris Matthews just said, without any proof that Trump's White House essentially wrote the memo. Maria Batromo, not Batromolo, it's a different one, which I thought it was that. Six senior leaders of FBI, DOJ have been reassigned or fired based on the facts that have come out of the work of the Inspector General. Yet House Intel Committee Chair Nunes is branded a lunatic by the Clinton-Obama mafia with new killers. Adam Schiff and media, incredible. It actually started a uh, town hall article, how the media buried two huge FBI stories yesterday. And it goes along and blah, 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 blah. And it just covers how they did it by just covering up with other stuff. The ending of it, and this was by uh, Molly Hemingway, where journalistic instincts go to die. Let's turn our attention to another big development in the growing scandal of mismanagement at the FBI. The broad contours are already known. The FBI Deputy Assistant Director of the Counterintelligence Division, Zork, and key FBI lawyer, Page, were alleged to be cheating on their representative spouses with each other, presumably a big no-no for counterintelligence officials seeking not to be compromised. The chatty duo exchanged tens of thousands of text messages about their work on Clinton and the Trump-Russia investigation. Fox News had an earlier story on the interim report headlining FBI lovers' latest text message, Obama wants to know everything. The Wall Street Journal anonymously sourced claim that Obama got a briefing on Sork Russia temp Trump investigation is far more interesting than the Fox News report on an old Hillary Clinton briefing. Now reporters should be digging into the instead of considering the case closed. Yes, even though it relates to Obama. And if reporters and American newsrooms are so narrow in their thinking that they cannot even imagine lines of inquiry in a direction other than nothing to see here for politicians not named Trump, they should hire some people with more diverse viewpoints to help them. 
She's right. It has just been released this week that Obama knew. But just like when they found out Obama got emails from him, from her, they buried it. It was a one-day story. They didn't care. This time, it's not even a story on CNN. Other articles. New criminal referral confirms Nunes memo explosive claims of FISA abuse. Another story. Stop trying to make Watergate happen. I'm covering how the left's trying to make this Watergate. So, what did Nancy Pelosi do? This move by real Donald Trump confirms that we all know for weeks that his decision to release the Nunes memo was a blatant political move made with concerns, without concerns for national security. The hypocrisy is on full display. What does this president have to hide? Sahil Kapur, the president's double standard when it comes to transparency is appalling. The rationale for releasing the Nunes memo vanishes when it shows information that's harmful to him. Millions of Americans are asking one simple question. What is he hiding? And this is over the fact that the Democrats wrote a memo. They put something that was top secret in it. They didn't have it scrubbed by the FBI. They sent it up for the president to sign it. He didn't because he couldn't because of the top secret shit in it. And they use it as a cudgel now. Their memo is the total opposite. It's just the total opposite. But ask yourself to close this section, and before we go into a music break and our tweets of the day, why this week did not the media cover Obama new? Why this week did they not cover that Warner had the same meeting Sessions did? Sessions was forced to recluse himself. Warner is still on the Intel Committee. Why were those not stories? And why was a supposed domestic abuse from 10 years ago more of a story? Oh, I know why. Because they hate Trump. To a music break and tweets of the day.
welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast with Tony Reese. tweets of the day. Uh, this one's going to sound funny, but I have seen more and more of these over the last year. Um, it goes back to when you can't find something really racist, you make everything racist. Well, now this gay thing's happening. Riley J. Dennis. It's a woman. It's funny when a dude comes up to our table of all queer women and think we're straight, but it's creepy and scary when we'll tell him we're all gay and he won't leave us the fuck alone and even demands photos of us kissing each other as proof. Dudes just like stop. Somebody tweeted th- things that happened, and then this. It's like people are on this big kick of making things up to keep the narrative of of you know America so transphobic when when everybody knows that's not the case. If anything, I think this proves that America doesn't stereotype people and. Go, well, that woman looks gay, so I'm not going to ask her if she wants a drink. It, it blows their narrative up. Other stupid tweaks. Damn, the NFL's been around longer than our government. We've had 51 Super Bowls and only 45 presidents. I didn't know that. That's a real tweet. And then, part of our tweet of the day, New York Times Opinion. What white women teach us is that white supremacist politics is sustained at a much more grassroots level by our neighbors, school boards, and even friends. From this article, white women organized precincts gathered to pressure the politicians to uphold Jim Crow laws. They transformed their homes into centers of bureaucratic efficiency, copying flyers, assigning neighborhoods for petition drives, and scheduling protest shifts at elementary schools and bus garages. It was also women who shaped the way segregation, white supremacy, and ideas about racial identity were knitted in the fabric of their communities. Working as midwives, teachers, social workers, women police the racial identity of babies, students, and clients to ensure that the dividing lines between white and black remain intact. And across the nation, women-led groups like Patriot America Youth and the Women for Constitutional Government Pro-America spread the message to the next generation that of opposition to racial equality was about states' rights and limited government, not white supremacy. Wow. So our tweet of the day is Colonialist T, Roger Evan Dam. And I laughed so hard I spit my coffee out when I read this. That proves a valuable point, folks. Make more babies, and he has a picture that I've never seen of the black power fist, but it's white, and it says, Cracker Power! Hey, Tweet of the Day! For the record, I didn't think that was 
awesome because of white power or white nationalism. I just think it's funny because they were being facetious. I mean, come on. Why do you have to write things like that? That white women are the reason why everything's wrong in the world. I know you're still butthurt because white women didn't vote for Hillary in a polarity. They actually voted for Trump and that pissed you the fuck off. But maybe it's your message, man. Maybe it's not about race. Maybe it's not about we don't like transgenders or whatever. Maybe it's just we're sick of the fucking identity politics. Seriously, bro. So I thought it was funny as shit, Cracker Power. From now on, I kept the picture because I'm going to tweet that when people are racist. I'm going to go, Cracker Power! Because the way you write it, us white people have so much power. Yet my bank account ain't fat. Nobody listens to this podcast. And, well, no, nobody listens to the podcast. But I don't have tens of thousands of people listening to my podcast just because I'm white. You make it sound just because you're white, you can do anything. I mean, come on, shut up. To hate tweets, Dallas police, around 5 a.m. this morning, a suspect entered our central substation and smashed 12 cars. 12 cars. Other hate tweets. I'm just going to paraphrase because I don't want to go into it. Nancy Pelosi filibustered. She said crazy shit like my son wishes he was black. Why would you put that in a kid's head? And she filibustered with this in mind. Pelosi's DACA busters crossed the two-hour mark as she started her speech at 10.04 using her special privilege only extended to three House leaders. For situational awareness, she's got a 2 p.m. presser schedule. So this won't go that past that far. It was just a fucking... It was just a fucking sham. Because when Rand Paul did it, nobody covered it, and they mocked it. So, yeah. Come on. Bette Midler, during Rand Paul's, sums up the resistance. Where's Paul, Rand Paul's neighbor when we need him? Somebody said, pleading guilty to felony assault that left a member of Congress in excruciating pain for weeks. Delete your account. Somebody then said, the tolerant left. Scott Wong, he's a blue check. Lots of lawmakers pissed at Rand Paul right now for holding this budget deal up. Someone needs to fly his neighbor up here, says one. Lawmakers said it. Matt Fuller, tonight everyone in the Senate is Rand Paul's aggrieved neighbor. Loosely Haynes, every time Rand Paul opens his mouth, I totally get why his neighbor beat the shit out of him. Bill Madden, this is why nobody was sad when Rand Paul's neighbor beat the shit out of him. Paul votes to give tax cuts to the filthy rich, adding $1.5 trillion debt, yet this little mangy-haired weasel has the audacity to filibuster a budget deal because Congress is spending too much. By the way, the deal went through, folks. So I guess it wasn't that one. Then Ben Miller doubles down. Selective Outrage Committee so worked up about joke. What about some outrage to help solve opioid crisis, mass shootings, Puerto Rico? People responded. I'm just going to read one. People can be outraged about more than one thing at one time. Your joke wasn't funny. Solve is adorably naive. And a more serious approach. Alluding to violence against anyone is a horrific joke, particularly against a U.S. senator who, above anyone else, rejects interventionist wars, Obama-Clinton domestic spy program. What's next? A shout-out to the grave of Steve Scalise's shooter? And he's right. Chris Bennon brings up our big hate. I was going to do it in the Olympic section, but 
It's hate. It's just hate. It's not even based on reality. Newsflash. Just because you go to a church doesn't mean you take or you're to blame for everything in that church. Where did I get that? Barack Hussein Obama going to Reverend Wright, and we were told by you, the media, and liberals, that just because Reverend Wright hates America and hates white people, Barack Obama is a saint and he loves white people because his mom's white and he doesn't hate America. That's what you said. But you're saying because Mike Pence was at a church that at one time did conversion therapy for gays, he financed that because he gave tithes and offerings. That's your six degrees of separation. It's been refuted, debunked by New York Times, everybody. But you're still on that kick. And you found, through activist groups, a person that could do it, this fucking piece of shit athlete that probably won't win. VP Pence was so stung by Adam Rippon's criticism that he tried to set up a conversation with him. Not backing down, Rippon refused. My USA Today sports exclusive on the bizarre battle between the vice president of the United States and a figure skater. The whole world over and over said, oh, what the fuck? It's not a battle. What the fuck? That shows how narrow-minded the gay guy is. He won't even have a meeting with a person that he's accusing of stuff that's a fucking lie. Because the activist group told him to, and he's a sheep. According to two people in knowledge of the situation who were not authorized to speak publicly about it, a member of Penn's staff requested a conversation with the openly gay Rippon after reading the skater's derogatory remark about him in a USA Today sports story that has been published online just now or earlier. Rippon, the two people said, declined the invitation. Let's, let's get to the goddamn punchline. Why do they keep saying openly gay? Who's not openly gay anymore? Openly gay is cool as fuck. Obama saw to it. Kids pretend they're gay just to be cool for a while. They also pretend to be transgender because they want fucking attention. This has all been proven. So why do we keep saying openly gay? The spat between the vice president and the figure skater began when I asked Rippon last month about Pence selection for the committee. You mean Mike Pence, the same Mike Pence that funded gay conversion therapy? I'm not buying it. Gabriel Maller, it, do, it does your reader no service to suggest that rip and attack on Pence is a bizarre battle that Pence is waging. Same for the piece itself. The spat between the vice president and the figure skater began is entirely misleading. It's a one-sided spat. Another one. Also, it's bad journalism to just let Rippon claim Pence funded gay conversion therapy to hang out there as he said he's he said, he said, as it's up for debate, the claim has been repeatedly debunked. Gabriel Maller again, Olympic athlete, Pence funded gay conversion therapy. Pence, no, I didn't, and can we meet to talk? Athlete, fuck no. Emily Zanotti, Rippon accused Pence of funding gay conversion therapy, which Pence did not do. Rippon then refused to actually discuss the matter with the man he accused of something horrible, and now you think Rippon is the hero. Yes, that's how this works. That's that's how all this works. The left just makes this shit up as they go along. Ken Meyer, and refusing to meet with and discuss with VP Pence is indeed backing down. It means you are too afraid to present your position to a person you are attacking. So, how did the left deal with it? I, I, I could play you... A half hour of sound bites, but this is the best one.
this is kind of funny because, you know, a past controversy of his, uh, you know, is coming back to bite him you know, right square on the face because openly gay Olympic skater Adam Rippon reportedly declined an invite to sit with the VP because he says Pence funded gay conversion therapy in the past, which Pence says is not true. But should they have a sit down? Should he sit down uh, to uh, talk with this gentleman who doesn't even sort of recognize him as a administration directive on transgender bathroom? So... I don't know. I mean, I think it would be like asking a Jewish person to sit down and, and understand where the Nazi is coming from. I think that would be a difficult. I think it's been, I think it's been done. Thing. That has been done, probably. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, a mo- there's a movie show up. I, I just once again, it's hate. It's hate for others who don't live by your worldview. And in my humble opinion, it's the left that hates. The left has more hate, open hate, and it's called being a hero than I ever hear out of white nationalists. They don't have a platform. Every day the left has a platform in our media, and they get a hate on people for total lies, and it just hangs there. Nobody refutes it. Every interview done with this kid, nobody ever stopped and said, well, it's been proven that he didn't do that, so, you know, the vice president, blah, 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 blah. That's how it would be played if it was Biden. In line with this hate is the hate of Christians. Tony Dungy on air said something about Nick Foles, an openly Christian person, which is more of a saying in our current world than saying openly gay, because openly gay is the coolest thing you can ever be in our society. Openly Christian marks you with a scarlet letter so the media can dog on you and the left can criticize you. And all he said was to the effect about his faith. So remember on NBC News or NBC Sports or anything, even ESPN, kneeling, disrespecting the flag, being against guns, abortion, these are all things that have been talked about by, you know, uh, Bob Costas did full lectures to America on gun violence refuses now to cover football because of concussions or something. So this is how it went. Blue check reporters. Tony Dungy, unbelievable you would use your employer, NBC Sports, to spout this nonsense on the air. At Tweet of God. Tony Dungy. NBC pays me to express my opinion. And it was my opinion that Nick Foles would play well because his Christian faith would allow him to play with confidence. And that he's a good QB. I think I was right on both counts. More criticism. I'm just not wanting it as a part of football analysis. Humans are not the Holy Spirit, Stephanie Stradley said. Tony Dungy. I mean, the way he handled this was just awesome. Why would you find it hard to believe that a Holy Spirit could speak to Nick Foles just as much as a coach could speak to him? If he credits a coach for saying, stay calm and be confident, that's good. But if he tells me Christ says that to him, I shouldn't report it. Jason Whitlock, a fucking race hustler. Anyone who doubts the role of faith and athletic achievement never saw Muhammad Ali beat George Foreman. Faith in a higher power unlocks the mind and body to do incredible things. That's a liberal. Then some smartass. If player told you he worshipped Satan and felt strongly blah, 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 Tony Dungy. 
You don't know me well enough then. If NBC sent me to do a story and you and I would report, do a story on you, I would report exactly what you told me. I wouldn't try to paint you as something you're not. Can we do the same for Christian players? Here's your bellwether, Tony Dungy. A player said Satan gives them strength to conquer opponents on the football field. Would you report that? Tony Dungy, if that's what he told me, I would report it. That's my job. I wouldn't have to agree with it, just as you don't have to agree with Nick Foles. But they can't. The left can't agree with anybody. They can't agree that you can even have that opinion. I have a situation at work right now with a 20-something liberal millennial. It's because I can't have an opinion. I can't even have an opinion on work performance. That's not authorized. That's how narrow-minded the left is. I talked to a gentleman the other day. He was talking about a different subject, and he outright said, it's a mental disease. They're sociopaths. They believe you must You must believe what they believe. Then we had a whole bunch of hate on players not going to the White House. The the people over and over pushed to get them to say something. They they just needed this. You know, what are you going to do? Boris Epstein, this makes no sense to me. If you disagree with real Donald Trump and have something to say, why miss likely the only opportunity you'll have to express that to him in person? It wouldn't, I wouldn't support players boycotting a visit to the White House, no matter what party held it. Chris Long, can you produce a receipt of you remarking on James Harrison or Tim uh, Thomas skipping a trip to the Obama White House? And this turned into a big argument between Chris Long and somebody else, and it really came down to, hey, They can do what they want. It's brave. It's just brave. It's not brave. Being brave is going over fighting a war. Being brave is overcoming a disability. Being brave is the mother that wakes up every morning and gets her family off to school and work and cleans the fucking house and gets no thanks for it and works her ass off and goes to bed fucking tired. That's brave. Saying Trump's a piece of shit's not brave. It's vogue right now. It's cool. Everybody does it. It's no longer edgy. It's just boring. Then there's the East Coast hate. And this one I had to cover because it's Katie Tour again. During a speech that was done this week, there were people featured about what they're going to do with their tax cut. Numerous media members use that to cudgel Trump. They've all along, gone with the the Nancy Pelosi, it's crumb shit. <clears throat> so Katie Turr decided to bring out Google and a calculator and have some fun during it. First tweet. Gentleman at Ohio Trump event says he's going to save to start a family with $1,000 one-time bonus. Average cost to give birth to one child in Ohio is $5,836. He's got some nerve keeping his money in hope of bringing a child in the world. Somebody tweeted back to her. But that wasn't the only one. She doubles down. Woman who just spoke says she's going to use her $1,000 bonus and tax cut to help buy a home and pay for her two kids. In Hammondley County, Ohio, where they are, average home is $277,000. Average cost of private college nationally is $35,000. Public, 19000 19000 
Jesse Kelly, right. Who are these uncultured peasants to say 1,000 matters? Steve Krakauer, imagine hearing a woman describe getting a $1,000 bonus and a tax cut and saying it would help buy a home, and then Googling how much the average home costs in the town she's from to try to portray her as an idiot, like Katie Turr, NBC, just did. Incredible. Melissa McKenzie, do journalists know what it's like to be poor, what $20 a week could do for gas, food, something? Another one. So I assume Tur's point is these people shouldn't even bother to have lofty goals. Another one. Alex Griswold. It's me, a brave firefighter. Remember, she actually said that. Rushing in to condescend to working people who don't understand how numbers work. After fact-checking a couple of workers' goals into dust, Tur was inundated with tweets explaining what savings for someone means. And saving for something means. It seems the message might have gotten through because finally, this is what she did on air. On Tuesday, the president highlighted a pair of workers in Ohio who were using their $1,000 bonus to save for some big ticket dreams, starting a family, owning a home, and sending kids to college. We applaud them. Every dollar counts and, and $1,000 is a very big deal. But along with cheering one-time bonuses, shouldn't we be pushing for long-term salary hikes? The kind of sustained help that would transform big-ticket dreams into everyday realities. Because think about it, starting a family, owning a home, sending your kids to college, these should be within the reach of every American, bonus or no bonus. Or does that make me seem out of touch? I'm just not sure. Let's bring in our guests. Washington Post opinion columnist Catherine Rampell and CNBC editor-at-large John Harwood. Guys, thanks for joining me to talk about this. Um, these one-time bonuses, Catherine, $1,000 is a big deal. Nobody's scoffing at $1,000. But is that where we should stop cheering? Or should there be a push to change the system and get wages up so that workers can afford more of these everyday things. Yes, obviously we want permanent wage increases. You know, that's not an apology. She still goes, well, that does mean a lot to people, but shouldn't we just have all this great stuff that Obama couldn't even do? Because I'm a liberal and I'm not going to back down. You hate the American people. That's your problem, Katie Tour. You think you're better than them. So does Chuck Todd. So does Joe Scarborough. So does Mika Brzezinski. So does David, uh, whatever, Williams, Brian Williams. You all hate us. Because we don't see the world through your eyes. I would respect you more if you did this. Camille Nagiana, a real reporter... Fuck Trump, fuck John Kelly, fuck Mike Pence, fuck Omarosa, fuck Paul Ryan, fuck Mitch McConnell, fuck Steve Bannon, fuck Betsy DeVos, fuck Sarah Huckabee Sanders, fuck Trey Gowdy, fuck Devin Nunes, fuck Carter Page, fuck Robert Porter, fuck Sean Spicer, fuck Hope Hicks, fuck Jarrett. At least there you stand for what you say. She thought that was an apology. The American people saw you for what you are. To you, $1,000 is what you spend on stupid shit every day. Because you're rich. You make millions of dollars. But for most of us, 
That $1,000 will help us get a house because we need to get a down payment for a house. We just can't buy an out house outright or down payment on a car or start a college fund for our kids. $20 a week gets gas in the tank. Gets a nice dinner. Maybe we can go out once. Since you never started poor, you don't have a reference on it. So maybe you should shut the fuck up. Into our hypocrisy of the day. Welcome back to Harbaugh. If history has taught us anything, it's that midterm elections favor the party that's out of power. That's for sure. Since World War II, the party in control of the White House has lost an average of 28 seats in the first midterm election. 28 seats is the average loss. The only Democrat Republicans only have to lose 24 to lose the House. Anyway, they're aware of that history. They're dusting off the old playbook to mobilize Republican voters in their play. Paint control of the House under Nancy Pelosi is far worse than under Paul Ryan. Well, the president previewed that message today. I think this is not a good day for Nancy Pelosi. She's our secret weapon. No, she's our secret. I just hope they don't change her. There are a lot of people that want to run her out. She's, she's really out there. Now I'm supposed to make a deal with her. Well, Democrats remain hopeful because President Trump is also historically unpopular with his approval ratings hovering around 38. For more, I'm joined by the Harbaugh Roundtable today, John Allen, national political reporter for NBC News Digital. Alexi McCayman, who's a, a deputy uh, Axios editor, I'm sorry, editor at news editor at Axios. Somebody moved the prompter too fast. And John Brabender's Republican side. Since I boggled your name, Alexi, <laughs> let, me, let me talk to you. I will reserve judgment. Picking out somebody from one of the coasts, usually ethnic, and making them the, the poster person of the, of the Democratic Party is old business for the Republicans. They did it with, uh, way back to some guy from the, from the Bronx back in the 40s. They did it, they did it with Bella Absug from the west side of New York City. They did it after Tip O'Neill. They did it after Teddy. Now they're doing it after Teddy Kane. Now they do it after, uh, after uh, Nancy Pelosi, they love to get an ethnic sort of person from one of the coasts and make him the bad person. Right, well, it's easy to paint her as the San Francisco elitist who doesn't really understand middle-class America because of her crumbs tax cuts comment. But after Paul Ryan botched it with that $1.50 tweet, it's well, sort of a lie now. Tweet. So he tweeted that it was um, amazing that this woman, I believe she was a secretary somewhere, got a $1.50 extra in her paycheck because of the Republican tax cuts. And that was worth bragging about. Well, Paul Ryan thought so. Um, I believe the tweet has since been removed but so before that maybe they could paint her so what's worse calling a thousand bucks dirt or a dollar fifty a lot of money what who sounds more <laughs> stupid i don't know but i think in a lot of ways those are going to cancel each other out but what's interesting about the the ryan comment is ryan has projected himself as this regular guy he yeah. comes from a district that when he first got there had a lot of democrats in it uh and he wants people to think that he's in touch with them and this dollar fifty comment is so out of touch and then you know sort of in addition to that or looking at it in a macro sense has he bought a candy bar lately I mean, really. no, of course I mean, not. Of course not. He he a a like, hey, Alan, there's no change. But this teacher that gets a buck fifty—that's like one sixth of what she would get if at the same. What about this ethnic time. politics? Okay, Nancy Pelosi well, looks well off. She's well dressed. She, you know, she seems like somebody who comes from well, pretty good circumstances. But is that why they go after her? Why do they go after Pelosi? Why do they go after? Well, you know, you would think on the surface, Wolf, looking at this from the outside, that this would be demoralizing. I'm going to judge that it is not. 
You've got a group of people who don't join a company. What they join is, and, and you sense this when you walk the halls of the Hoover Building, as I did, they join a mission that says, I'm here to protect the American people from everything from gangs and organized crime to intelligence threats from Russia and China. The president of the White House thinks that by saying we support the masses of the FBI, but we oppose in strong language, the president's talking about basically corruption at the FBI today, but we oppose the leadership. The workforce is going to look at this and say this is an attack on our ability to conduct an investigation with integrity. There's hundreds of agents and analysts working on this investigation. It's not just Christopher Wray, the FBI director. So the FBI people, I'm going to tell you, are ticked. And they're going to be saying, I guarantee it, you think you can push us off this because you can try to intimidate the director? You better think again, Mr. President. You've been around for 13 months. We've been around since 1908. I know how this game is going to be played. We're going to win. Yeah, you don't want to see. Was it a mistake for, for Paul Ryan to tweet that? I, uh, no, I, and I don't, I, I don't think he should have taken it down. Uh, I think it's a real weird look for Democrats to sort of dunk on Paul Ryan, and by extension, a, a woman who's happy she got a tax break. Um, it, it, it misses the bigger picture that, as Chris said, people are are happy with the tax uh, with the tax reform. Um, you know, whether it's uh, employees of, of places like Walmart and Boeing and, and AT&T who are getting bonuses. or uh, Massachusetts, actually, state regulators just told their utilities companies to lower their rates as a result of the lowered uh, corporate tax rate. That's Massachusetts. Taxachusetts. So I, I think Democrats are sort of missing where the energy is on, on this, no pun intended, um, and, and maybe making a little bit more in their, in their giddiness of this than, than the rest of the country sees. This letter on October 28th and Russian WikiLeaks raised doubts in the minds of people who were inclined to vote for me but got scared off. If you look at Facebook, uh, the vast majority of the news, news items posted were fake. There's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. He certainly uh, <laughs> interfered in our election. And it was clear he interfered to hurt me and to help my opponent. There was voter suppression, people trying to prevent other Americans from being able to vote. I also think I was the victim of a very broad assumption I was going to win. I inherit. And that bite, you have S.E. Cup breaking down what Dems are and the mocking of real people over the grand. Kind of pegs Katie Tour, doesn't it? Yeah, just a little bit. Here's some interesting hypocrisy. CNN hires four FBI a former FBI agent after writing anti-Trump op-ed. Which makes the next one make sense. Considering how many times they've been busted for peddling fake news, you think CNN would try a little harder to be a little more careful than this. But well, here we are. A piece yesterday on Steele dossier makes notes of Cody Shearer, a Clinton associate who was reportedly in contact with Steele. Only here's how CNN described it. Republicans are alleging that Steele received material on Trump and Russia written by Cody Shearer, a freelance journalist who said, who they claim is a Clinton partisan. He is a Clinton partisan, but they're not going to ever do that. He's an independent journalist. Jordan Shashel. Here's how CNN lies to protect Hillary. They described Cody Shearer, author dossier number two, as an independent journalist. Couldn't be further from the truth. Shearer hasn't been a journo for decades, most recently employed as a private intel operative for Hillary Clinton. They know that. They lied. 
Other articles. New York Times cheers on energized Democrats of 2018 on the Sunday front page. Trump is toxic, yet over and over we've shown the polls show the Republicans gaining ground and wait till the stat of the day on fundraising. For the stock drop, <clears throat> single-day stock drop gets 33% more network coverage than Dow 25K, 26K uptick. Hmm. Another one, AP reporter Gary Finout called out Florida State Senator George Gaynor for telling a woman in the gallery to stand up and show everyone how pretty you are. It was his wife. While that was happening and made national news, de Blasio faces criticism for kissing women lawmaker, hello. They're not his wife. They're lawmakers in the New York House. That did not make national news. This didn't make national news. Telemundo reports reveal collusion between Mexican government and liberal activists. They're actually going down there and they're having meetings on how they can get unfettered illegal immigrants into the country. Hmm. This didn't make national news. Soon Hassan, a 19-year-old former student at St. Catherine University in St. Paul, was charged with attempting to provide material support to Al-Qaeda, arson, and making a false statement to the FBI. You never heard that. So that's two immigration things. We just kind of ignore it. Hadass Gold reports this week, Newsweek is in complete freefall. People are freaking the fuck out because it's burning in quickly. Brit Hume caught David Axelrod so bad that he deleted the tweet because he was trying to push some more liberal talking points. This is how Brit surmised it. David, would you advise any politician you helped to talk about stocks in the middle of a market downturn, even if the long-term result was excellent? And what would you say about Trump if he had bragged about the market today? He never replied. He deleted the tweet because it was a lie. National Review did an article why the cult of Trump has taken hold. In it, this reporter said the following. But putting aside the specific arguments, conservatives saw plenty of abuses and violations from their IRS scandal and Benghazi to their Iran deal. Obama said many times he couldn't unilaterally implement the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival program because he wasn't king, then he did it anyway. Jonathan Chait. Serious question. Has any conservative, even a single one, admitted the IRS targeted left and right equally and Benghazi was just a bureaucratic confusion? Bureaucratic confusion. People died. DCCC this week reported, Thank you, Funny or Die and Billy Eichner, for reminding everyone that voting is in fashion this election season. We can't think of a more perfect team to bring the red carpet to the voting booth. Ah, yes. Love that Democrats are giving a voice to the unrepresented. Squints. Hollywood millionaires. Larry. Thanks for this reminder. I can totally relate to people making seven and eight figures and living gated communities. 
have the left not figured out that the American people don't give a fuck what Hollywood says? Joe Scarborough, in retrospect, Nunes would have been better off remaining a dairy farmer instead of coming to Congress and wrecking the U.S. House Intel Committee. That is a real tweet. Molly Hemingway. Manhattan media jock Joe Scarborough mocks Representative Nunes from California for being a farmer who has the audacity to think he should perform oversight of a powerful federal agency on behalf of the people who elected him to just do that. Everybody kept asking him, so farmers can't be in the House or Senate? You're the arbiter now? Awesome, awesome hypocrisy from the Washington Post. Opinion, the good economic news is actually bad. Here's why. Somebody tweeted, and I laughed my ass off. A Republican is president. Hashtag save you the click. And that's basically what the article says. Just because a Republican is president, it's bad. Jerry Dunleavy. Good is bad, up is down, left is right, black is white, The Last Jedi was a good movie. We have always been at war with East Asia. And, and that's true. Sports Illustrated's going to have an issue embracing Me Too. The model has Me Too written all over a naked body. What the fuck does that have to do with sports? What? The Michigan State has nothing to do with sports. It has to do with fucking sexual assault and rape. Not me too. But my question to you is, have you ever seen a pro-life cover? How about a vet cover? Hmm. MSNBC, we covered a little bit of this last time, but this is pretty spot on. Um, I don't know why they're doing this. All I can think of, the last time I checked, the ratings have really kind of gone down for late night TV because it's getting boring to the American people, even the resistance. Comedians like Jimmy Kimmel and Samantha Bee are leading the way to truth in the Trump era. Then Jimmy Kimmel, every late night host is a liberal because it requires intelligence. Then Colbert, so if you can laugh, then you can think. And we've got to think our way out of this because we felt our way into this problem with fear and anger. With a really high view of himself, Colbert added of his show. But if we can laugh, I think we can think our way into being an American community again. So his laughter and snarkiness and totally total hypocrisy towards everybody with an R behind their name, yet ignoring the D's, that's going to make America better. And sadly, Jimmy Fallon did this this week. Come gather round people wherever you're on And admit that our country don't feel like our home And that silence speaks louder than those who condone If a tweet to you is worth saving Then lift up your voices and put down your phones For the times they are changing Come journalists, writers who report the facts and brandish your pen to fend off his attacks. Look past what he says and look at how he acts. The fire and fury is raging. 
For his words can hurt, but your words can fight back. New York Times, they aren't a failing. Some leaders who bully like internet trolls will curse you with four-letter words, love and hope. For we will go high even when you go low. The order is rearranging. For you have the power, but we have the vote. The times they are changing. Yeah, all of that is so intelligent. Intelligent. It's so intelligent. The Hill even reported this week. Shared hatred for Trump could reunite Crosby, Still, and Nash and Young. Oh my gosh, I am so glad a bunch of tired, fucking worn out 60 hippies that hated the government are going to come back and do it again. It's like the beginning of this with Oberman and all them coming out from Jon Stewart, coming out from the rock, all of a sudden they have an opinion after eight years ignoring the abuses of the Obama administration. And like it's in tune, Trump crazy came out this week. It's like it's all synced. I still think there's a secret website somewhere everybody goes to to get the talking points because it seems like Hollywood, the media, the Democrats, they're just all in sync all the time. They're saying the same thing. There's a CNN panel. Trump's crazy. Nicole Wallace. Trump crazy. MSDNC panel. Trump crazy. Um... Then there's a whole scene you're going to hear of Dem voters watching the State of the Union throwing shoes at the fucking TV and actually speaking in tongue. And then Whoopi, yeah, I, I, I can't even say Trump's name. But, but let, let, let's just reality check on two things. This is a president who, when asked earlier, said 100% he wanted to do it. Utterly confident. We're now acknowledging, the president's lawyers are acknowledging, that that was pure bluster designed to create a sense of confidence where there was none. Second, the president's lawyers are saying he should not testify. Not because he's, this is all blown out of proportion, but because they're afraid he will lie under oath. They don't trust him to be interviewed with lawyers without creating more problems for himself. That itself is both pathetic and unpresidential. And so this investigation. But the whole thing is absurd. And the president talking about uh, Democrats being treasonous because they didn't applaud for him during his State of the Union. You know, at some point, even the president's core supporters have got to make an assessment about a president of the United States who is so whiny and so weak. Instead of, I thought he was strong. I thought he attacked other people who had low energy. What is the insecurity all about? It's one thing to be on the offense, and that is his right, and he's certainly done that. But this incredible insecurity, I just don't think is good for the If darkness is where democracy dies, 
and that's where we are? Are we not on the brink of our democracy possibly crumbling? It's kind of crushing. It's creepy. It's 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 terrible. This Vladimir is really, Putin yeah. is riding a horse, topless, yeah. in uh, Russia, laughing. Right. Yeah. Now. There's a there's a history to this kind of behavior by leaders who just systematically go after institutions, the judiciary, uh, the bureaucracy, and things like that. It doesn't it doesn't end well. And recently, I have been rereading a lot of uh, history from sort of the 1920s uh, through to the 1950s. Documents again. Well, just to remind documents. myself of the the scourge on the earth and the danger of dictatorial regimes who often get there initially by undermining the press, undermining the judiciary, and undermining the apparatus of government. Uh, Malcolm, it, this is more than just a current thing. This is a this is a tried and true way of 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 you know making people really doubt their institutions and their government, and their courts. I find this absolutely fascinating because the things that Donald Trump does, the way that he acts and his attacks on the institutions of the United States government, these are not new. They are new for the United States, and but for those of us who are who are skilled in this area, especially in intelligence, we recognize this. This comes from the dictator's playbook. The standard for receiving a FISA warrant is probable cause. So the the the, the dossier, which was provided to the FBI by a source who's not just credible to American intelligence, not just credible to American law, but he's credible all over the world because he's a former British spy um, and he's an expert in Russia. It, 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 the standard was probable cause. The dossier has not been proven false. A third of it's been proven true. And, and the idea that they would, they would, that Paul Ryan, someone who knows, but Donald Trump, I truly believe, doesn't know any better. I truly believe he's the hamburger-eating, Zamboni-riding loon that we see on TV and on Twitter. But Paul Ryan, Paul Ryan knows better. And, and there was fear. And there's a lot of fear. I mean, there's fear any time someone in power abuses it. It's scary for the person who's being abused. And that's why for me, until women said, I will stand with you, I will stand next to you, and we will scream together so that you don't feel like you're out there alone, nothing was going to change. And until you made it dangerous to do. Mm -hmm. We still have so much to do right now. I mean, we still have 16 women who are accusing the man in charge. You're talking about the president? Yeah. You never say his name. I don't. Why? Uh, I can't. Well, it's only one syllable. I know. I know. Do you think that it, it somehow honors him to use his name? In conjunction with that word, yeah. You mean president? Uh-huh. I yeah. see. Yeah. But you recognize that he is the president. I, you know, I, he's there. <laughs> you know, listen, I, this is the first time where I can't wrap my mind around this and that people felt the need to put this in. So, yeah, I know people don't like that I don't do it. I, I'm fine with that. There's lots of stuff I do people don't like. You know, I, I can live with it. But I do, you know, you asked me earlier about Al Franken, and so I think to myself, well, Al Franken is gone. A lot of people have lost their kids. This one is still sitting there. So for me, all these women's groups need to be raising money for these women's defense fund so that they can 
go on and do what they need to do. Because there seems to be no ethics committee for him. Next are the Axe Files. Wow. Every one of those sound bites, if that happened under Obama, would be racist, un-American, disrespecting the office of the President of the United States. But so would our media mass for today. Chris Cuomo, we rely on Dem talking points so people get the information. Snuffburger melting down and acting like the Clinton communication director that he was for Bill over the memo. Uh, Trump, Trump's base relies on Russian bots for their reality. Yeah, that was set on air. Times that they reauthorized and guess what? They didn't tell the court that they had terminated their relationship with Chris Steele and yet kept using his work product. And you know why they terminated their relationship with Christopher Because Steele? he said he was working with the FBI. Not because his because work product was bad. Because he told you guys, he told the press he that was working with the That doesn't make his material bad. Hey, if we that's didn't rely on leaks, we would allow so much BS to get directly to the American people. We need the leaks, Jim. We can't trust you, you guys to tell you us the truth okay. all the time. Okay. What if you I can't find... trust him to keep a, a basic rule in a, in a contractual relationship with working for if you can't trust him for that, but you can still trust his work product? Come on, Chris. Oh, That's you're ridiculous. totally separate. You're, you're arguing the old meme of correlation equals causation, and it's not the same thing. Maybe he didn't know what their guidelines were. There could be a thousand reasons. Oh, Who my cares? Goodness. They vetted the individual material themselves, and they built on it. And I'll tell you what's shocking to me, Jim, especially for nuts that. and bolts you, guys you like you. Know that. As you know, you can't get a warrant like this, a wiretapping warrant like this, unless they can demonstrate probable cause you were working as a foreign agent. And you actually had been on the FBI radar for working with for Russia for several years you're the target of a Russian recruitment effort back in 2013 the FBI interviewed you about that correct I was a witness to a case that they were doing so I was supporting the FBI in that case right you gave documents though to someone they believe they charged with espionage see this is sort of spin because I gave them I was teaching a course down Broadway here at NYU and I told him a couple of things about what I was talking about in my course, and I gave him a couple of my notes from the, or the uh, documents that I gave my uh, students. So in terms of, t it sounds, you know, when you say giving documents to a quote-unquote spy, and, you know, it's in what a couple sound, of courses. Yeah. Well, it's, it sounds a lot worse than reality. If you were recruited at one point by a Russian agent, then you wrote yourself that you're an informal advisor to the Kremlin. So that does lead people to believe, is this guy working with Russia? Well, you know, first of all, it's the G20 summit was in St. Petersburg that year, and they were bringing together people from around the world. And so a lot of people were uh, from literally Australia, UK, here. But you, it was, these are your words. I served as an informal advisor to the staff of the Kremlin. You're advising the Kremlin. And there was a, a lot of people advising. We were part of an informal group, you know, and meeting in Geneva, Paris. We had a meeting so you, in the New York Stock Exchange. The first meeting was in the New York Stock Exchange, the center of capitalism. But right? you can understand how that would raise questions and could lead to probable cause. On the one hand, at one point you say you're an advisor to the Kremlin, then you're an advisor to Donald Trump. Look, the probable cause, based on all the evidence that keeps dripping out and now has been further substantiated with the Friday you know, first memo, is that it was based on that dodgy dossier which was, you know, a political stunt, which is unfortunate, which is false evidence. So if you talk about obstruction of justice, that's real obstruction Well, in fact, as you know, the Democrats evidence. have said it was not based just on, on that dossier. They've said there were other reasons. Have you ever spoken to Donald Trump? I never spoke with him since. I never spoke with him any time in my life. You've so. never spoken to Donald Trump in your life? Nope. No email, no text, nothing like that? 
he will throw anybody or anything under the bus, including the best interests of this nation, if, it, if he believes it will give him any advantage whatsoever. And if there's anybody out there that questions that, I can't wait for you to grab your Cheetos uh, and put on your tidy whities and go down to your mom's basement and start typing that blog Join away. The bots. That will be that will be interesting. <laughs> and, and by the way, order up your Russian bots, okay? And and you're off to the races. And one other quick point here is that he had an, an unwitting ally, the Russian bots, <laughs> pushing yes. the release exactly. the memo meme. Right. Yeah. So the Russians are still at it. Uh, unwitting. They're it might not be it. so unwitting. Well, right. All they need is Trump's base to believe this, right. and it works. So you and I could walk through this all day long and, and shine light and rationality. Yeah. They don't need rationality. Our stats of the day, while all this is going on, all the craziness in the world, Trump's approval rating's at 49%. What did I say? What did I say? All you people in Cali that listen, what did I say? It's the same reason why George Bush got reelected. You're pushing way too hard. America goes with the underdog. They just do. So sorry. Then this stat happened, and I rejoice at this. A California judge on Monday ruled against the same-sex couple who were suing a bakery owned for refusing to bake them a wedding cake. Within it are some of this. To be used in a celebration of the same-sex marriage, you believe that such marriage is violated or deeply held religious conviction. The state seeks to enjoin this conduct as unlawfully discriminatory. The state brings the action upon the administrative complaint of a same-sex married couple. The state purpose to ensure an accessible public marketplace free from discrimination is a laudable and necessary public goal. No vendor may refuse to sell their public goods or services not fundamentally founded upon speech based upon the perception of the gender identification of their customers, even upon religious grounds. A retail tire shop may not not refuse to do this. No artist, having placed their work for public sale, may refuse to sell their unlawful discriminatory purpose. No baker may place their wares in public display, open their shop, and then refuse to sell because of race, religion, gender, or gender identification. The difference here is that the cake in question is not yet baked. (laughs) The state is not petitioning the court to order defendants to sell a cake. The state asked this court to compel Miller to use her talents to design and create a cake she has not yet conceived with the knowledge that her work will display in celebration of a marital union her religion forbids. For this court to force such compliance would do violence to the essentials of free speech guaranteed under the First Amendment. Danny Freeman Kern County judge rules against same-sex couples suing bakery owned for refusing to bake them a cake. Judge says distinction is that the cake in question is not baked. 
The Unruh Act prohibits discrimination on the basis of religion as well as sexual orientation. Would this court force a baker who strongly favored GLBT rights to create and design a wedding cake she had refused to a Catholic couple in a protest of Catholic Church prescription against same-sex marriage? The answer is no. This court has an obligation to protect free speech regardless of whose foot the shoe is on. No matter how the court should rule, one side or the other may be visited with the same degree of hurt, insult, and indignity. The court finds that any harm here is equal to either complainant or defendant, Miller, one way or the other. If anything, the harm to Miller is a greater harm because it carries significant economic consequences. When one feels injured, insulted, or angered by the words or expressed conduct of others, the harm is many times self-inflicted. The most effective free speech in the family of our nation is when we speak and listen with respect. In any case, the court cannot guarantee that no one will be harmed when the court, when the law enforced. Quite the contrary. When the law is enforced, someone necessarily loses. Nevertheless, the court's duty is to the law. Whenever anyone exercises the right of free speech, someone else may be angered or hurt. This is the nature of a free society under our Constitution. Later on, a wedding cake is not just a cake in a free speech analysis. It is an artistic expression by the person making it that it be used tra- traditionally as a centerpiece in the celebration of a marriage. There could not be a greater form of express conduct here. Rodriguez del Ross planned to engage in speech. They plan a celebration to declare the validity of their marital union and their enduring love to one another. The state asked the court to compel Miller, against her will and religion, to allow her artistic expression of celebration of a marriage to be co-opted to promote the message desired by a same-sex partner. Bob Eldered. The right to freedom of speech under the First Amendment outweighs the state interest in ensuring freely accessible marketplace. That judge did it right. If you think that I'm a homophobe and, in my opinion, hurts your feelings, then I'm not sorry. I get to believe what I want, just like every other American citizen. Another tweet. Finally, common sense is making a comeback. This is a huge victory. A huge victory. <clears throat> now, granted, the advocacy group's going to push it and do a f- they're going to take it up Supreme Court, and I'm sure it's going to lose. But how can you compel somebody to make something that's not made? It's not like you're – I think the tire analogy is perfect. If I own a tire company and I refuse to give you a tire, which is already there, that's discrimination. This isn't. These people sought out a, a Christian bakery. They did it for the agenda. And the court finally did the right thing and said, no. We have somehow under the Obama administration decided freedom of speech for those that don't agree with me is not authorized. Christianity is evil. And this court just righted a lot of wrongs. But it's becoming too much. Article. San Francisco Bay Area experienced mass accidents of residents. Within the article, these people leaving say it's not only the cost, but it's the sanctuary city stuff is too much now. 
There's too much crime and nobody's being held accountable. <clears throat> as mentioned earlier, and I'm sorry, I'm sick as hell, as you can tell, I cannot get healthy. It's our weather here. It gets hot, it gets cold, it gets hot, it gets cold, but this cold will not go away. Democratic National Committee fundraising hits a wall. They have $400,000. The GOP is hitting $40 million a month. That's interesting. Your media is telling you that there's such a groundswell. It is going to be a tsunami of Democrats. What? Doesn't look at that way. Another stat, Obamacare recruiters get $1.2 billion under proposed law. This was part of Obamacare. It is for lefty organizations. It is insane, and people are pissed the fuck off. Just pissed off. And we're going to end our stats of the day and go into music break the news and social media nuggets. Kind of how we started. This is an interesting juxtaposition between us and people that are, are are starting to feel the effect of mass Syrian migration. It's starting to affect the hell out of them. And they're becoming xenophobic, I guess. Denmark. Poised to ban Islamic full-face veils. It is incompatible with the value of Danish society, says country's justice minister. What are we doing? Macy's to launch a clothing line geared towards Muslims. If their transgender Thanksgiving parade didn't teach them anything and that their loss of revenue over all their liberal causes hasn't woke them up, they're doubling the fuck down and they're going to come out with a Muslim clothing line with fashion hijabs. You're on the wrong side of history. To the music break, see you on the other side.
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. In this home, that is me. The dead are rolling over. This, this, is, this is something, man. This is, this is our generation, man. All you people, we're all together, man. It's groovy. And dig yourselves, because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Save the whale. Yeah, he's in the military now. Please don't sit down. If there's no legislative deal by March 5th, would the president consider extending the program? I uh, doubt very much. Why is that? Because the program is not found on any. The original Obama administration, Mr. Obama established the program, and it was considered to be unconstitutional, not based on any law. So the extension... I'm not so sure the president, this president has uh, the authority to extend it. So uh, is he ready to start deporting people on March 6th? Well, I mean, we deport people. Uh, I mean, DACA people. No, no. You know, again, the, the priorities for deportation, first and foremost, is a legal justice process. And the, the thing that gets you into that process is if, generally speaking, you're A, here illegally, and then B, you come on the, uh, the, the scope of law enforcement, read ICE or CVP. So let's let's take the person who is here illegally, working, behaves him or herself. Never that person never comes on anyone's scope. That said, if the person is a convicted felon or has a lot of serious misdemeanors, they they come on the scope. And the uh, the ICE uh, men and women of ICE focus on individual. Well, as you might imagine, that touched off a storm. CNN's Jim Acosta joins us now. Jim, you pressed Sarah Sanders on Kelly's comments. What was her response? Well, yes, Anderson, mainly because, I mean, this appears to be one of a long line of offensive comments coming out of the White House uh, aimed at immigrants in the context of this immigration debate. Keep in mind, the president has said in the past, uh, we love the dreamers. Well, if you listen to his chief of staff, it doesn't sound like uh, at least the chief of staff loves the dreamers. Uh, he was essentially describing them as slackers uh, earlier today. Uh, here's how uh, it played out in the briefing room when I pressed the White House press secretary on General Kelly's comments. Just on the face of it, isn't that just a wildly offensive comment about these undocumented immigrants who are waiting for some kind of solution to come out of the city? Look, the only person that's actually offered a solution is this administration. The president's been a champion of giving 1.8 million DACA recipients and DACA-eligible people a pathway to citizenship, and he's laid out a plan and a solution that actually addresses both Republicans' and Democrats' concerns. Uh, I, I think it's hard to argue well, with that. On the surface of that, sir, though, isn't it just, a, it's just an offensive? A comment, though, isn't it just on its surface? Uh, I, I think that's something it's, you would have to decide for yourself. 
So, so Anderson, as you can see, she didn't answer right. the question. Uh, but we should point out, I mean, dreamers who were brought to this country through no fault of their own have spent most of their life uh, not being lazy and sitting on their asses. They've been working their butts off. They've been working their, their asses off, uh, to be blunt, uh, keeping their, their noses clean, keeping their records clean, working hard in school. Some of them are in the military. Uh, they've been the opposite of lazy. A lot of immigration advocates would argue. John Kelly works for the laziest president in history who might very well be the laziest federal worker in history. John Kelly is the worst White House chief of staff in history. His only possible competition for that distinction is the first Trump White House chief of staff, Reince Priebus. No other White House chief of staff in history has ever told such a poisonous lie about a member of Congress or about a former president. And so we can no longer be surprised when John Kelly opens his mouth and ugly prejudice and poison comes out as it did again today. There is not a shred of evidence now that John Kelly has even the slightest bit more sympathy or understanding of the dreamers than Donald Trump has. There is not the slightest hint now that John Kelly's heart is not as full of hatred as Donald Trump's is for all of the people that Donald Trump rages against, from Mexicans to Muslims to undocumented immigrants, including... Yeah, that that was John Kelly, and I'm telling you, they lost their mind. They called it uh, ignorant, discriminatory, cruel, blah, blah, blah. And then in every article I could find, all they kept talking about, they're still the greatest barrier for many illegal immigrants is the cost. It costs four ninety five to apply for DACA and another four ninety five to renew the protection every two years. A Migration Policy Institute report from 2013, which is straight out of the liberal handbook because it's a liberal organization that's working with fucking Mexico to get rid of the fucking shitheads they don't want, one-third of the people eligible for DACA live before below the poverty level. These lower-income families, particularly families with multiple children, the program application fees may represent a major obstacle. Look in the future. We're going to waive it. We're just going to waive it. We're just going to waive it. Here's the problem. He's right. They haven't got out their ass and did it. Shame on you. Get the fuck out of the country. Or more importantly, come over here, migrate legally, and you'll never be in this problem. You won't have the problem. And to say anything we're doing is to undo the, the liberals who want them to vote for them and are do-getters and just don't care about America, they just care about the next election, it's nothing compared to other countries. Every country requires work visas. Every country requires fees to become a citizen. Our parents did it. Your parents did it. It's part of the process to become an American citizen. So either do it legal legally, or if you don't have enough funds, go the fuck back to Guatemala. And then this happened, and it's so in line... With what we talk about, a you know, last podcast, the hate of fucking soldiers. In the same segment, we're talking about the the, the teacher and the city councilman. They're fucking dumbass, low skilled pieces of shit. This time, I guess they just don't want to see a military parade. Wrestling with funding for the government, President Trump wants the Pentagon to plan a grand military parade in Washington. 
tanks, marching soldiers, the whole deal that you usually see in North Korea. It would cost millions, but may cost more politically. Carl Kirby, what do you think of the idea of a military parade in Washington? I don't like it, Allison, not, not at all. This is not about showcasing our military. This is about the president showing off. This is all about his ego. And that's just an inappropriate use of military time and talent and resources. Uh, we, the, the second thing is this is beneath us as a nation. We are the most powerful military on earth. We're very proud of that and rightly so. We don't need to be parading our military hardware down Pennsylvania Avenue to to show that to anybody. And thirdly, I think it's just a waste of resources. It will cost millions of dollars. That's money that could be put to other better uses, operations, training, not to mention just even just taking care of our people, spouse education programs, that, that kind of thing. So I think this is just a, it's a, it's a tremendously bad idea. Unusual marching orders from President Trump to the Pentagon. He wants a massive parade to highlight the country's military strength. The idea not sitting well with some Democrats. I was stunned by it, to be quite honest. I mean, we have a Napoleon in the making here. For the most part, U.S. presidents have avoided displays of military power that are often associated with the former Soviet Union's Red Square celebrations, or more recently, Kim Jong-un's parades in North Korea. So the kind of parade the president has in mind would be pretty unusual. Correct. Oh, very, very unusual, Robin. The president's talking about tanks rolling down Pennsylvania Avenue, fighter jets streaking over the Capitol. Parades of that magnitude are now more often associated with authoritarian regimes. Think Russia, think North Korea. Talking about the cost of this parade and where and there would be tanks, right? And would there be nuclear weapons like, like some countries? I mean, would it simply be whatever President Trump wants it to be? No, I, I, I find it a bit difficult to even talk about the details of what this parade would look like because right. I'm... It felt I'm silly, like, asking it, you, like, is this, is this really... It's a total this, waste of time. Yeah, if this really would happen, like, we're discussing it as if... And maybe it would. I mean, do you, do you think it would? It wouldn't look like a parade that we see in Pyongyang, certainly. It wouldn't look like a parade that we used to see when the Soviet Union would roll their massive military across Red Square. I, it would look like a bunch of great Americans who were probably feeling a bit embarrassed that they were required to do this. Uh, Donald Trump is a showman. Um, you know, he likes the kind of bling and blang casino kind of uh, bells ringing, uh, thinks this parade will be a, um, a great idea. You know, it's, uh, the part that bothers me, Don, is Donald Trump is yet to visit our 15,000 troops in Afghanistan. We have 6,000 troops in Syria and Iraq. He's never gone to even see them. You know, Barack Obama was president three months and he went to Iraq. George W. Bush went four times to Iraq and twice to Afghanistan. The, the big gap here is a president that doesn't want to go meet our troops. He goes to Mar-a-Lago instead. Well, uh, you know, we're, we're getting more North Korean every day in this country. I mean, you know, yesterday the president says people who don't cheer are un-American and, and treasonous. And today we're going to start having big parades with tanks and missiles. Um, and, you know, um, I, people have to decide what, whether they want to have that kind of country. I mean, we have a country where we celebrate our troops, as, as Barbara said. Uh, when they come home from battle um, in lower Manhattan and we throw ticker tape. But the idea in peacetime, simply to have uh, tanks roll through the streets of Washington, that's, to use a phrase that the president likes to use, in my experience, that's un-American.
And one of the reasons we don't tend to have those military parades in America is just the sense that being the power that we are, we don't need to show off our military might like uh, countries like North Korea or Russia might need to. Man, did they get those talking points out fast or what? WAPO right out the gate, exclusive, a Trump direction. Pentagon is planning a large-scale military prayer inspired by France's Bastille Day. He went and saw it and thought it was neat, thought we should do it because we haven't done it in a long time. We now have nearly 50 Americans who have signed on to lay in front of the tanks and Trump Trump brings out a military parade. We are not an empire drifting towards extinction. Will you join us? Here's the call to action video. I'm not even playing. It's an anti-war, anti-American thing. Neon Taser. Tiananmen Square wasn't a military parade. They brought in tanks to crush a protest. Another person. This is a picture of a communist China Tiananmen Square. Do you know the difference between a military parade and a military assault on your own people, for Christ's sake? Another person. The tract I took. The military represents the country, not Donald Trump. How dare you compare the proposed military parade to Tiananmen Square? Those American soldiers stand for values resolutely, resolutely, sorry, in opposition to that of a troops who represented the Chinese, Chinese Communist Party. So, automatically, there was a top ten out before I even knew there was a parade. Patton Oswalt. The Dow is plummeting. The governor is about to shut down. A president, can we have a parade? For me. Author David Rothkop, Trump is afraid to visit war zones. Am I only one that thinks part of the reason Trump has this villainous dictator parade fantasy is he's so afraid of visiting war zones? What the fuck? Chess champ, Gary Kasparov. Trump wants a Soviet-style military parade, something weak leaders do to try to look strong. Clint Watts, senior fellow. This is a fantastical, fantastically dumb. With everything on our military right now, more than 15 years of war, we are not doing this to feed Trump's ego. Brian Class, fellow, liberal group. Trump wannabe despot checklist. Call press any of the people, scapegoat minorities, call to jail political opponents, fire people, investigating you, politicize law enforcement, lie to boost cult of personality, host strongman military parade. Number six, George Tataki. Just a screaming, no collusion at every opportunity is not how an innocent person acts, so a large military parade displaying our military might for all to see is not how a strong person acts. Overcompensating, Donald? Jesse Ferguson, Hillary spokesman. 450,000 American citizens still do not have power, power in Puerto Rico, but do a parade, you racist. Eight, deferments from Mother Jones, because he did deferments in Vietnam, so did half of fucking Washington. Deborah Hyde, the skeptic mag. The President of the United States wants to wave his willy just like they do in North Korea and Russia. The dignity police have been alerted. Even the Daily Mash couldn't make this up. Rachel Maddow. Unlike government-provided health care, which is free, the government-provided parade will cost millions. Brandon Morse. Military parades feel like something you do when you need to convince the world your military is scary. The U.S. doesn't need to do that. We demonstrate how scary we are by actually being scary. Then somebody brought up we did that for the Gulf War, but we've never done it since. 
And that was a whole argument between Anthony D. Rosa, a, a un, an immigration nut, and John Noonan. Please, it's a good idea long overdue. The military has a 71% approval, has been fighting 70, 17 years. Let them show off a little. His response. I'm proud of them and they deserve it. We both know this has nothing to do with them. We do? From one WAPO article, we were kicking this idea around on a prior campaign in the article to totalitarian and North Korean adjectives, nouns, verbs, and punctuation. That's what I wrote down. I read the article. In that article, totalitarian and North Korean are adjectives, nouns, verbs, and punctuation. Somebody even looked up Henry Tru- uh, Harry Truman thought of it. John F. Kennedy thought of it. I finally closed, you know, really for me, well, a D.C. council member is trying to stop it. The whole liberal machines part of it. Every year, 200,000 people come to Andrews Air Force Base just outside D.C. to watch a military on display, and there are hundreds of air shows around the country. A military parade lets the ground guys get a little love. Honest to God, with some of these tweets in my feed. Military Parade will prompt 24 to 36 hours of noise on Twitter and was subsequently attended by $300,000, or 300,000 people in July. But they, they, no, no, no. And of course, the resistance, I'm pretty sure we have to start marching in the streets. Forget about Trump wanting a military parade. What about the people around him who are contemplating a military parade? Where is the decency? What is happening? It's so insulting in this how many times they say if our soldiers do a parade, we'll look like North Korea. And there was actually tweets that I didn't read of people talking about they're going to bring nukes. Oh, they got to take M1s down freaking Pennsylvania Avenue. And I'm sure by the time this gets kicked around and it ever happens... You're going to hear, this is the time for the coup. If you are real patriots and you're really defending this country, the tank should blow Trump up. That, that'll be the next tact. And I'll be reading it on here. People will say that. That's how fucking deranged these people are. Mention a military parade. Totalitarian. Shaking his dick. I mean, what is wrong with you people? I thought it was a great idea. But you watch. We'll be covering in hate tweets if this goes down. What was it, Sadat? I don't remember. The guy in Egypt. That's what they're going to be begging for. And nothing will happen to him. During Obama, you even said something negative. Secret Service was at your damn door. Now everybody can acute, you know, just say all these horrible things, hoping Pence dies in the Olympics. And it's okay. It's just okay. Fucking people are horrible. To our college crazy. And if you think about it, this is where all this shit starts. All this craziness starts right here. Berkeley students panic after ICE vehicles spotted on campus. The parents of a Border Patrol vehicle sent UC Berkeley into an uproar, prompting the school to reassure students there's no raid. 
We have received reports ICE on the Berkeley campus. Our understanding is that they were invited to speak at a global entry program and TSA checks and advise for international students. There's no raid. Look what you're doing, Democrats. You got people so fired the fuck up. They're afraid of an ICE truck, and they're not even illegal immigrants. Northeastern professor says he wouldn't mind seeing Trump dead. God, that goes with what we were just talking about. At a public event on the rule of law and time of polarization, a Northeastern University professor told the audience that he wouldn't mind seeing President Trump dead. Barry Bluestone told Campus Reform that while he wants people to rise up and oppose Trump, he did not intend to advocate acts of violence against the president. Update. Northeastern University has provided a statement disavowing Bluestone's comment and saying that the video has been reviewed. But he won't lose his job. Fuck, under Obama, he would have got fucking audited. But now, we're good to go. Professor Zionist Master Thieves have infiltrated the Women's March. Not reading the article, but that's Linda Sasser. It's, uh, they fucking hate, they're just terrorists. That's why I still understand what that you know, it took forever for Antifa to get broken down for what Antifa is. But where is the article and reporting journalists have been doing on Linda Sasser and her links to frickin' ISIS, Al Qaeda, the Muslim Brotherhood? She's a front woman for the Women's March. You cover it. Every fucking part of it. CNN is on the scene. While you're ignoring the pro-life march. Muslim students want classmate expelled for criticizing his job. Kathy Zhu, a University of Central Florida freshman, was recently targeted by a campaign demanding that she be expelled for social media posting criticizing World Hijab Day. Fucking thought police. Thought police. There's a triage on booth at my college campus. So you're telling me that it's now just a fashion accessory and not a religious thing? Or are you trying to get women used to being oppressed under Islam? She's actually right. She's right. When did that stop being something? Oh, Linda Sassar. Got it. Okay. Yeah, intersectionality. I'm with you. This one's fucking peak wokeness. Due to the patriarchy, we require a $5 minimum on all debit credit card purchases. Thank you. Where do you think this is? Yeah, it's Portland. Just another day in Portland, Oregon, Andy C. Nago said. I don't want to say his name, just NGO. It was a large trigger warning next to the menstrual products about gendered language on the boxes and instructions, so I don't think this is an attempt at a humor, by the way. Here is the trigger warning, he tweets. Content note trigger warning. Gendered and patriarchal language. Who the fuck even thinks like this? Staff of blank has collected this information from Keeper website. The staff has changed the language of the information to be gender neutral. The website uses gender binary and patriarchal language. We do not endorse visiting websites. This is the least gendered product we can locate and are in dialogue with the company to promote language changes because we do support the feminist values of decreasing the environmental and economic cost of menstrual care and providing menstrual pe- menstruating people with a gentler care method. If you find errors in our editing or have other suggestions, please speak freely with the staff or email. That's in a bathroom. This is why I won't move home, Mom. Not that you're listening to this. I, just know... 
But let's make sure we understand something. I hate to be transphobic, non-inclusive. Dudes that make their dicks vaginas don't need tampons. So what is this gender-neutral shit? If you're a woman that wants to be a man and you're using that, aren't you in the male bathroom? See, this is where your stick falls apart. How does gender-neutral apply to a woman who's menstruating? It's fucking called biology! Biology, yeah. <laughs> biology! What the fuck? Gotta move on for this, because I'll have a fucking coronary right now. Salon, why is the Bible so badly written? That's an actual... Millions of evangelicals and other Christian fundamentalists believe the Bible was dictated by God to men who acted essentially as human transcriptionists. Transcriptionists. Did they make that up? If that were the case, one would have to conclude that God is a terrible writer. Many passages in the Bible would get kicked back by any competent editor or writing professor, kicked back with a lot of red ink, often more red than black. Mixed messages, repetition, bad fact-checking, awkward construction... Inconsistent voices, weak character development, boring tangents, contradictions, passages where nobody can tell what the heck the writer meant to convey. This doesn't sound like a book that was dictated by a deity. Somebody said, but this article sounds like an excuse to crap on the Bible, which is basically what Valerie does. Kind of hypocritical so long to talk about bad writing. And my point that I tweeted back... Now do one for the Quran. Let's see it. Oh, you're not going to do one for the Quran? Hmm. Then there's this Princeton article, Fat Positive Dinner. This space is intended for fat-identified people to share their experiences as a fat person at Princeton in an accepting and supportive environment. We will discuss fat-positive programming ideas for the spring semester as well. Dinner will be served. Please RSVP to Jordan Dixon, JD15, at Princeton. Fat positive. I initially was behind this concept because I'm fat. Now you're starting to piss me off. Somebody asked, what the fuck are fat identified students? Are they people out there who aren't fat but identify as fat? Can I identify as thin and become incandescent with rage when clothes I buy don't actually fit? So they don't have to really be fat they just have to identify as fat should be fun and i thought that was funny as shit so now i am gonna walk around saying i identify as thin so if somebody says i'm fat they have just discriminated me because i identify if we can identify as anything in the world now and make up fucking pronouns that make no goddamn sense well then I am no longer fat. When my doctor says my BMI is kind of high, I'm going to say, nope, I identify as thin. I'm a thin person. You fucking weirdos. This is another one that's driving me crazy, so I put it in this section. Salon. Black Panther is the first blockbuster format release featuring a black hero front and center. They're pushing this so hard that actually I read an article that on... Rotten Tomatoes, they have deleted any of their people that they actually rate those things with. Like, you and I go and rate it. They don't give a fuck, but they have these real raters. They deleted it. It has a 100% rating. 
And if anybody goes to Rotten Tomatoes, there's not a lot of things with a 100% rating. To show our college shit isn't too far away from a high school near you, high school cancels musical after white student lands lead role. Yeah, we knew this was coming. Social justice activists at a New York high school successfully shut down a production of The Hunchback of Notre Dame after a white student landed the lead role. Protest of a production began when an African-American student quit Ithaca High School musical production due to the role of Esmeralda be given to a white classmate. It shows you that theater wasn't made for you, the student told the Ithaca Journal, and it shows you that if you can't get the part that are written for you, what parts are you going to get? Let a white kid try this for a black character. Yeah, we'll see how far that goes. Student activists then branded together under the umbrella of Students United Ithaca and wrote a letter that included a list of demands saying that while the young lady cast as Esmeralda was a stellar actor, singer, and dancer, any production would be lucky to have. She couldn't be cast in a role because she is the epitome of whiteness. At best, this is cultural appropriation, the group said. At worst, it's whitewashing, a racist casting practice which has its roots in minstrelies. Minstrelly, I said that wrong. While the student activists demand brown and black female students be considered for the role, the character in question is half Roma, half French, according to the novel by Victor Hugo. SUI stressed the book and the musical should not be conflated because the musical is only inspired by Hugo's manuscript. The Ithaca City School District announced it canceled the music in an attempt to be more inclusive and culturally responsive in their effort to eliminate institutional biases. So basically it was so no fun for anyone. After the cancellation, the student group made more demands, stopped the racist and openly stated policy of colorblind casting and ICSD because of institutionalized racism. This resulted in white children being cast in roles written as white parts and also white children being cast in roles that were specifically intended for people of color. Progressive Progressivism is beyond parody at this point. Jeremy Frankel. I replied to him, you win the internet. It's crazy. But not as crazy as this. Good segue, right? LGBT activists want people to remember the K for kink. They want it to be LGBTQQICAPF2K. By the time they're done, that's going to be the entire fucking alphabet. The Mick, smart and progressive to believe, to not believe in God. Same time on the good doctor. The good doctor walked in. He's autistic. She's not a girl. And there was a whole show on transgender. And me and my wife are giving him one more episode. Or is they going to go the way of fresh off the boat? I'm not watching. Your ratings were great. You didn't need this. That's why Code Black went off the air. Code Black went off the air because they started pushing the PC bullshit and everybody stopped fucking washing because you had to have a gay, you had to have a black gay, you had to have this, you had to have that, you had to have about a million fucking things and nobody watched the show anymore. Sorry, I had to get a drink. My throat is dry as hell. Think Progress celebrates Walgreens' trans bathroom policy bow. 
basically Walgreens, who just this last year finally accepted money from TRICARE, which is a military insurance provider. Up until then, they wouldn't subscribe drugs to us because they didn't like the copay. So that took decades. Now, boom, they're going to put the trans bathrooms. And guess what? I'll get my prescriptions elsewhere. Hawaii police officer accused of making man touch urinal. This is a horrible story. Uh, basically, they forced a man to place his mouth on a urinal inside a public restroom. Where is Black Lives Matter? Oh, the person wasn't black. Okay. Mm. Now that makes sense. Your thing is police brutality, but you didn't cover this. Okay, I got it. Half shark, half dolphin. Dolphin? Dolphin? That's a person. Dolphin is an animal, so let's try it again. Half shark, half dolphin. Mysterious sea creature discovery baffles experts. This thing is scary looking. It was found by a surfer. Hmm. In great news, Oklahoma considers chemical castration for sex offenders. Fucking love that. Me and my wife have talked about that for years. I I think if you do it, you lose your shit. Just castrate that motherfucker. On the spot. Give him a P2. But no. uh, Castration would lessen your sexual urges. Whereas you get a vasectomy, it doesn't affect it. But I still think they could be perverts. So fucking chop their dick off. Declared dead. Washington family's black lab found alive after 10 years. And the chip was where it found this dog remembered them. They brought him back in the house. It is fucking amazing. You know, I gotta cover those. I just gotta cover them. I love the dog stories. This one's scary as shit. Germs in airplane cabin are bad, but it's even worse at a terminal. They did a study on this, and they pulled out the CSI lamp, and it's fucking scary as shit. Scary as shit. In space news, Elon Musk roadster into orbit on their rockets, and if if you're not paying attention to this, this is a pretty interesting concept, because one of the things that they're trying to do, and that, you know, when Obama destroyed NASA, and cut its funding, and we got rid of the space shuttle, the concept is to have reusable rockets, and it took them years to build a land one, well then this one, they launched this roadster into space, with some like fake dude in a spacesuit driving this roadster in the upper atmosphere, so don't worry, it's not going to fall on top of you. But literally, both rockets landed simultaneously on pads in the ocean. So it comes back and falls into space, and has retro rockets that balance it straight up and down, and it lands on its end like some sci-fi Roger Ramjet motherfucking shit from back when you were a kid. It's amazing. I watched one once, the first one that they made it. I streamed it at work, and I was blown away. It was really cool. Gizmodo reports this. Nigel, the loneliest bird in the world, has been found dead next to the fake bird he tried to woo for years. They had a fake bird on outcropping, and this bird came to it for years, and he went back and he died next to the bird. That's really sad. It was in New Zealand. Spread of... Breast cancer linked to compound in asparagus and other foods, which sums up why I don't like asparagus, even though I don't have breasts, but 
God, I hate asparagus. Using drugs or diet to reduce level of asparagine may benefit patients, said researchers. So, that's interesting. Cell phone radiation linked to tumors in male rats. So, I think if you've been covering this for years, they've been really talking about it. It's pretty big. Um, And last but not least, the dog meat trade in South Korea. This is a big thing for people. I've read a lot of articles lately because they're really starting to talk about it. Um, Basically, in the 88 Olympics, they banned it, but now they didn't. So what's happening is right next to some, where they did the opening ceremony, there are dog meat slaughterhouses. Um, And I'm not going to read these numbers because it's really horrible. Now, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I've eaten dog. I had it in Korea when I was over there. It tastes... Pretty good. It doesn't taste like chicken. Um, but there are agencies, which I never even knew about, that actually rescue these dogs. They pay for the crate, the paperwork, the immunization, and, the, and they get these volunteer flyers to fly it back to the states, to these families that are adopting them. And I guess it's like 900 a year that they eat this one organization that I read. It was on Bleacher Report, which I don't know why the fuck it's there, but we've already talked about Bleacher Report, so I won't waste any more time on it. Um, but it's a big deal, and I guess it's a big problem. I mean, I'm not going to read all of this. It's a lot of money and soup, and wow. Yeah. Scary. So, to our lighter fare. It's an interesting story. This one was pretty cool. NASA spacecraft that gave us close-up Pluto shots has set the record for the farthest photo ever taken. 3.79 billion miles or 6.12 billion kilometers from Earth. The New Horizon aircraft snapped a picture of a star cluster. The photo surpassed the pale blue dot image of Earth taken in 1990. That is insanely far away. Another one that's funny as shell. Shit. I'm not, you know, I can't play the video, but a dog riding a one-eyed pony in the dead of night. This is so amazing. It's a corky. It literally went out there in the middle of the night, got on a pony, was riding around in the stable. And nobody taught it to do it. It just did it. So the the video seen 5.3 million views. As of Tuesday morning, and this is Sunday. Kentucky State Police, Super Bowl 52, enjoy watching Rob Gronkowski's tight end play, but if you drink and drive, your tight end may end up in jail. Designated driver, Super Bowl. Of course, the social justice warriors brought out their faux, faux outrage. Swedish politician who fought for equality and open border is beheaded in Congo. I know that's horrible, and I'm breaking all my rules because I dog everybody else. But I had to put it here for the irony of that concept. How many times have I said, you guys fighting for all this bullshit, these people will chop your head off. There's your sign. And our media ignored it. This one ends up on some show on True TV, World's Dumbest Criminals. Man steals car outside Sardo Walmart, calls owner for help on starting it. 
That's big balls. That's big balls. You you just really have huge balls. Another funny one. Inmates weave, hit coke, meth, 78 doses of LSD. You know, their weaves look pretty bad, but damn, bro, that's a lot of shit in there. A lot of shit in one weave. And to our soundbite lighter fare, we're going to play to end the football season. We're going to end with uh, bad lip reading NFL season 2017. We're going to play Romero and whatever the hell. This is hilarious, but it's, you know, it's, it's political. Um, it is them dogging the Democrats about how they're acting. We're going to play students being asked about Trump's State of the Union before it ever happened. And the talking point's already there. We're going to play ABC. It's Trump's fault people aren't getting flu shots. And we'll end with Casey Hutt fucking up big time on Morning Joe. Just big time. And admitting the Dems are to blame for the shutdown in January. All of that. Uber funny. Yeah, you always say you'll get us a helicopter, and you got it zero times. What you gonna do? Decorate. Say it again. Decorate. You what? Decorate. Yeah, hey, can't be your friend if you wear high tops like that. You make an extreme foot change, and we'll keep the friend thing rolling. Tambourine, tambourine, tambourine. Hey, boo. How's your day? Mwah. Late for work. Why don't you sit on the couch and paint me? <sighs> My bike sucks. Lost its wheels. Hey, let me tell you, I own a Ford. You ain't got no Ford, Doug. You got a Mazda. Hey, what is this, Manny? I want to know. I'll shoot up a cow's neck. Fresh ambassador. I just pile up my money. I got a Zamboni, and I'll buy a tank next spring. A tank, man. Hey, Sweaty Fred, where's your cornbread? I got it right there. That's good. Hey, don't touch my cornbread. Okay, now just so you know... After this, I plan on grabbing that bread. No, you're not. I can see somebody there on the boulder, and he was like this, right? And I'm like, whoa, who's there? Nobody. Uh-uh. Uh, I don't like that guy. The name is Baldy McNutt. I'll fix your rims overnight. Yo, I'm all beefy. Pizza. <laughs> ow, ow. So, Nick, why do you keep falling asleep? Then Don Lemon invited a former CIA official, Philip Mudd, who had a lot of energy for this discussion. We about to get in the mud, okay? <laughs> straight out the mud. <laughs> Your man came in hot. Super hot. I was like, fam, he's trying to use every slur in the book, bro. <laughs> he's like, yo, he's like, oh, zipper hat. I've never high. seen someone, someone do like a combination of slurs. It was like one point, two point, three point, multiple slurs. <laughs> yo, damn. I'm not surprised. In, in one way, I'm proud. I am a proud shitholer. Okay, <laughs> first of all, this happened on, like, Friday, and I had the TV on, and I wasn't sure our show was it on, because I was like, are they just cursing on William? <laughs> My family was called WAPs and Macro Leaders. I'm proud of that. We came when people from Ireland and Italy were seen as dirty people, dirty Catholics who didn't belong in a Protestant country. Shitholers built this country 110 years ago. This sounds like my Thanksgiving dinner where we're dragging a little. <laughs> 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 so he's about these wops. <laughs> also, that's a listen. 
That's a dead stock slur. Yo. You had to break the yeah, mylar yeah, bag yeah, to break bro. that out. Wops, without paper. You know what I mean? Wow. That's a Michelin Nestler right there. They were called slopers and slant eyes. See? Slopers. Slopers? That's new. That's... So in the last two weeks that we learned Jumos and Slopers? And slopers, bro. Like, hey. You learned stuff on this show. Well, slopers was niggas that was like... Yo, 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 bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you want to go on K2? Yeah, come yeah. on. Chinese people who built this country. Shitholers from Japanese internment camps. I feel like he took a pause because he was like, yo, Philip, you're doing a lot right he's now. Like, yeah, he's like, yo. Like, maybe, you made, maybe you made your point. He's like, nah, I got 27 more slurs. He's like, hold on, what's a, special, a specific Japanese slur? He's doing slurs like that Biggie and Tupac. He's like, I got seven Mac 11s. I got seven Wops, nine slants. A couple simple heads and a slope. George Tennant is a first-generation Greek. I guess he's a shitholer. All right. <laughs> Philip. No, Greece is a shithole, too. Yeah, yeah, like, I don't know Greece is a shithole. That's not even a word I generally use, shithole. <laughs> this is a very Trump voter term. People who say shithole also call their dick their pecker, so yeah, keep yeah, on that. Jose Rodriguez was the head of counterterrorism at CIA. He's a Puerto Rican. He's a, why you say like that? He's a Puerto Rican. I, I, I don't know if he's agreeing or disagreeing <laughs> at this point. He's like, he listens to reggaeton. He's like, you know, you know how that country's a real shithole. Like, God damn it, they're on a gasolina over there. <laughs> I'm proud today. I'm proud to be a shitholder. I've seen these conversations. Dalim was like, this nigga's wild, bro. Like, like, Dalim was like, usually I'm the one wild. Like, what are you doing? You're still in my lane. Shit, is this for you? I've seen these conversations that this is economic, so let's be clear. A white honky from Norway couldn't come Wow, here. wow. First of all, honky's not really a slur. Honky's not really a slur. That's like, it's like, it that's like, like a, someone who keeps honking too much in their car. Yeah, like, I'm hey, feeling hey, a little honky. Hey, take it easy, honky. There's no good slurs for white people. Let's keep it, let's keep it. Cracker does not hurt. Yeah. They don't like me like you cracker. You're like, oh, I'm hurt. Like, you're just like, that's delicious. Salty and I feel great. like saying white boy is more offensive. Remember Bo, you made Bo Bice drawn to tears because they called him a white boy? White boy at, at Popeyes? A white honky from Norway can come here, but a black dude from Haiti can't. What does that tell you in an America that one that that in one generation called you a nigger? What does that tell you, Don? At that point, I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. what's Don about to do? Is Don about to hook off?" I thought Don was gonna hit him with the fly, like Donald Strawberry out the dugout punch. Like, I can tell you that what that tells a honky like me, we're no different than we were a generation ago, and we're learning the same lessons that we learned when we called the Chinese man a slant eye. When we call the man from Guatemala a spick and a wetback, and we call the black man a nigger. You didn't have to say nigger twice. <laughs> He's like, this is like, my chance. Like, let, let's sprinkle like, it out evenly. <laughs> also, why is the CIA and the, head of the former head of the FBI know so many racial slurs? <laughs> yeah. What mean, exactly are y'all doing in those organizations? They better crack, so, you know. Listen, CNN was doing big things last oh. week. Here's another spicy moment from CNN. Well, it's about economics, Rick, and you can throw all the insults you want, and I appreciate it. Uh, and uh, but look, at the end of the no, day, you don't appreciate it, John. Uh, you are a weak, you are a weak, impotent person who can't handle the fact that there are people who don't look like you who want to come to this country because our system is awesome. You mm. hate that. Mm. You hate it so, so much your, because you're just so weak inside. They can call them impotent, right? Wait, wait, wait for it. Substantive argument to me, Rick Wilson, who backed every losing John, candidate. John, I will in gut you like a that's fish your, on this show. Oh, 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 Joe! That's when you were in a barbershop with a cape on, you like. Joe, <laughs> 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 oh, who got, oh, they got guns? Oh, wow. Joe, you're wildin'.
I will gut you like a fish. Damn. Look at my man lean back. He's like, like yo, yo, chill. <laughs> it's like, it's a world service, like NPR. <laughs> I'm Calvin Phillips with Campus Reform. Today we're at John Jay College getting reactions to President Trump's State of the Union address last night. We're going to give them a few quotes from the speech and ask their reaction. Except the quotes we're giving them are actually from President Obama's State of the Union addresses. What will they have to say? Let's find out. So I have a few quotes here from the State of the Union. I want to get your feedback first. Uh, talking about ISIS saying, quote, we need to call them what they are, killers and fanatics who have to be hunted down and destroyed. What's your thought on that? Well, first of all, ISIS is fake. It's something the government made up so they can continue doing what they want to do, which is world domination. Donald Trump should, like, you know, mind his own business and, like, just focus on America because he's the president of the United States, not of the whole world. I feel like that's a very strong statement. Um, and when you say something like that, it kind of makes you, like, a target. Or if you're a threat to this country, we're going to get you for that. It's, it's just ridiculous. Next up. Uh, talking about the general uh, world stage, saying, quote, when you come after Americans, we come after you. It may take time, but we have long memories and our reach has no limit. What's your thought on that? Um, well, I, I don't think that's a good way of handling something. It's like he doesn't think before speaking and how, how it's going to offend a lot of people. He should be careful because there's other countries out in the world that has like, you know, like automatic weapons and, you know, nuclear bombs. I mean, he's got small hands, so I don't know about his reach, so. And, and finally talking about China saying, China wants to write the rules. That would put us at a disadvantage. Why should we let that happen? We should write those rules. I wouldn't mess with China. But he's over the top in general, so it's par for the course. It's like everything is out the window. Like, oh, whatever he's, oh, oh, China, China, China. I guess the way that he approaches things is very aggressive, and that's not the best way to approach situations. What if I told you that all three of these quotes were actually from President Obama's State of the Unions? <laughs> um, all right. Full of shit, aren't you? <laughs> What's your thought? Are you surprised? Um... Kind of, yeah. It's actually crazy to hear that. I think there's a bias against President Trump when it comes to hearing a speech like the State of the Union. Um, yeah, I, I do think there's a bias. I guess uh, bias is really bad in general just because uh, you don't agree with it doesn't mean it's not right. I am definitely not a huge fan of him. However, I think um, you know being closed-minded is probably more dangerous than anything he could do. Some people are quick to like judge you on Donald Trump just because um, like a few things he say. But I think like if they paid into his whole presidency, like maybe they'll like have a like a better um, like you know outlook on him and a better like you know perspective in general. Because unfortunately, a lot of times what you hear is tainted by bias, and you really can't go off that. So do your own research, educate yourself. It's your duty. It's you know it's the future of the. This as hospitalizations soar nationwide, more than 14,000 so far in this flu season, which could last until May. Officials remind people it's still not too late to get vaccinated. You reduce your chance of getting the flu by about a third. So that's, you know, not zero. Many parents still believe that the flu shot will actually give you the flu. The medical community is worried about misconceptions like that and this one from Gloria Copeland, an advisor on the president's evangelical board. Just keep saying that I'll never have the flu. I'll never have the flu. Put words. Inoculate yourself with the word of God. The concern, this could derail parents from getting their children the vaccine. 
When President Trump was a private citizen back in 2013, it was the president, as you just heard, who gets the blame for a government shutdown. But now that Trump is the president, the blame goes to the Democrats, according to him. We'll soon see. Anyway, the current impasse comes as Republicans control the House, the Senate, and the White House. You figure out how to blame. They control all three pieces. We heard from a couple of White House officials, including Mick Mulvaney. He's the director of the Office of Management and Budget. He was preemptively shoveling blame for this shutdown that hasn't happened yet on to Democrats. Why should Donald Trump not take the blame for a shutdown? Every Republican I, I call up on the phone as a source, the first thing they tell me is it's the Democrats' fault. But then I remind them, and this is going to be the political reality, Republicans control the House. Republicans control the Senate. Republicans control the White House. Obviously, Nancy Pelosi feels as though they should be related, and, and that's what Chuck Schumer uh, you know, shut, uh, led a shutdown uh, over just a couple of weeks ago, this idea that they should be dealing with DACA, with the immigration issue, as part of a bill that absolutely has to pass. And as we always do after the closing, something serious. And, and I just, you know, with Valentine's coming up, I, I had to cover this because this is just fucking gross and goes along with what I say about all these Planned Parent fucking weirdos. Teen Vogue writer raised $5.7,000 for Planned Parenthood. Journalism is turning into activism for Lauren Duca. Okay, to add some love to this bleak fucking winter... Ahead of February 14th, I have an offer. Donate $50 or more to Planned Parenthood in Tucker Carlson's name, and I will snail mail you a Valentine screenshot. You receipt here, and email me your address. Yeah. She later added, Folks, not only am I serious about this, but I obtained multiple packs of stickers and Lord of the Rings Valentines. Also, $200 worth of stamps due to a vaguely embarrassing misunderstanding at the post office. Keep the donations coming. MRC Culture calculated the amount shown in receipts to be $5,700. Somebody said, all she's really doing is proving Planned Parenthood don't need our tax dollars. In response, Duca bashed the thought-scrambling nonsense. This isn't the first time Duca has targeted Carlson. Last year, she raised more than 10000 with some shitty-ass t-shirts she sold but it shows how heinous these people are former new york times columnist she's going to lead the search for planned parenthood which shows the linkage between the media and their unfettered boredom when they're toddler concept and lastly what planned parenthood did themselves an affiliate is asking women to host Galentine's Day parties and fundraising with safe sex themed Valentine's complete with vagina and birth control cupcakes. In a toolkit obtained by Bustle, who wanted to promote it, the Planned Parenthood of New York City Activist Council insisted that women turn their Galentine's Day into a fearless fundraising extravaganza. Held the day before Valentine's Day, Galentine's Day, a term coined by Parks and Recreation, is about ladies celebrating ladies. However, PPNYC urged you should feel free to invite folks from any gender identity you choose. Hosting a Galentine's Day PPNYC fundraiser is a fun way to celebrate your gal pals and raise money for sexual and reproductive health. Here's their little steal, the toolkit. Get at least 10 to 40 people, set a specific dollar amount to give to abortion, ask everyone to donate their age and one-time donations. 
or a recurring monthly donation. Really, donate your aid so a child never gets to it? That was a question this article asked. Make sure everyone at your event signs up for PPNYC. Send PPYNC safe sex themed Valentines. Download and color your own resistance coloring pages. Listen to PP inspired playlist or create your own. Enjoy fancy feminist themed cocktails. Marathon episodes of Park and Rec. Do some crafts like handmade cars to thank a health center or abortion provider. That's a thing. That's a thing. That's what these people think is awesome. How can you celebrate abortion? How heinous are you that you turn Valentine's Day into abortion day? And I seriously have to ask once again, Why do we give $500 million a year to an organization that's pulling in all sorts of money off Taco Tuesdays and dumb shit like this? Somehow I don't understand how eating tacos for abortion is a concept I'd ever grab. So I had to end on that because that's just fucking gross. You're a bunch of goddamn monsters and ghouls. So this wraps up another episode, a very long episode, of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends. Send comments by email at foppodcast at gmail.com. Foppodcast at gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at foppodcast.com. Foppodcast.com. It's a theme. There you'll see feeds of the show, feeds to our Facebook page, and an email link also. You'll see every episode on the episode release page and a link to it, and my blogs on the blog page. going to try to do another podcast by Friday, 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 and that's the 19th, I'm pretty sure. Let me double check here because... I, once again, for the second podcast, did not link the next podcast date. It's the 16th. I don't know where I got the 19th. But at the worst, it'll be released by the 19th because I do it on a Sunday. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Give your undivided attention to your kids. Because remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Thanks for listening, folks. And take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Make sure to check out our webpage at F O. P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Until next time, remember it's a short ride. Make every day count. Thank <laughs> you.